I've been, I've been praying hard. Said no more counting dollars, we'll be counting stars. Yeah, we'll be counting stars. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 148 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. Evening everybody. And Kieran O'Rourke. It's better Carl, no shame. Sneaky intro. Yeah. A cheeky intro like a cheeky Nando's. More like a Pearl Harbor Joe I'd say. We use in wrestling parlance. We are back this week to discuss... The five star classics, as decided, as determined and ranked by Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer newsletter in years gone by. Uh, rating, ranking, reviewing, giving analysis on five matches that were given the lofty seal of perfection for Mr. Dave Meltzer uh, in, uh, as we say, from, from various promotions, uh, from various points in time. Uh, a bit of a new concept here, lads. One that was given to us, suggested by our uh, fellow cohort, Luke Edwards, who is not with us around the open <laughs> table this week, by the way. But uh, it was his suggestion to kind of uh, break down these matches that are deemed classics. And uh, I, I think this is a very interesting topic. When, when Luke suggested this, I liked it for a couple of reasons. Number one, it gave us a chance to talk about good stuff. Yeah, this is, like, this <laughs> yeah. is the opposite of a review, yeah? Yeah, opposite of a review, also the opposite of like modern-day pay-per-view <laughs> reviews, like the Rumble, where, we, where, where everything is... I do, I am... Subject to nitpickery. I am very glad to hear that Vince has caught up with our disdain for his own product, though. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. That is nice. Five matches to talk about that I'm I'm very excited to chat about. Um, Some good stuff. Very good stuff here. And it's kind of an interesting thing because the star rating system isn't one that I particularly really subscribe to or really care about. And sometimes I see on, you know, the Twitter circles of the internet about people getting bent out of shape on... I match was, ratings. I was going to say it's become people procrastinate to quite oh, an extent about melts and the five star thing these days. Like, um, I remember it was one of the, uh, the old Brian and Vinny shows that uh, Lance Storm was sitting in for Vinny on, where he sort of didn't. It wasn't like a rant, but he just fairly lengthy dialogue about melts are sort of losing perspective and just in you know he's not just enjoying it anymore. He's being too analytical. Is there anything? Come on, lads. <laughs> to be honest, it's just. It, it, I think that, that analysis that, of the analysis yeah. is over analytical no. because I'm pretty sure Meltzer just kind of gives it whatever he feels like. Well, that's the sort of thing. You're saying, even if you disagree, it's only Meltzer's opinion. Yeah, you, know, you don't. It's one man's just, opinion. Just, just say, yeah, I didn't like it as much. Four stars. There you go. <laughs> there you go. What's that all about? But uh, yeah, so as we say, five matches. We'll kick them off here with. I feel it's more appropriate to start with the first one that was given the lofty five stars. For those of you who don't know or, or don't care, we'll say this anyway, the whole system of the uh, of the star rankings was actually that of Norm Dooley and Jim Cornette. It was a four-star system, and they broke their scale for Jerry Lawler versus Terry Funk in an ODQ match right, on March so 1981. Br- uh, sorry, so Melt's breaking his scale for Kenny Omega. It's actually just an, an evolution wow. of a scale that wow. was already broken. There you go. That was the reason why the five-star thing came about, because Lawler and Funk in the eyes of Cornette was better than any match he'd ever seen, and he, he didn't want to compare it to the other matches he'd given a lofty four stars to. So You, you can't compare matches through the ages anyway. Well, that's kind we'll of... We'll talk about it at nauseam as we yeah, go. Yeah, but you can't. It is, and of course there are a litany of matches to choose from when it comes to these rate, uh, these uh, these rankings. So we'll get to Joey Lawler and Terry Funk first. Um... Obviously, the you know, Lawler, the King of Memphis, he is the man uh, at the time this match is taking place. It's 1981. 1981, yeah. March of 1981. Uh, Terry Funk, obviously, territorial legend. He's been in and out. He's retired by this point. He's come back by this point. He's, he's 
been everywhere, he's done everything, he's coming for a run specifically to work with Laura, Lawler uh, for a period of time here. And, and he came in pretty much straight for Lawler, and it was, it was, it was straight to this, uh, this key angle, and this was the match that leads to the empty arena match. Uh, this this is not the blow off. This is the one we were talking about. My today. eye, Jerry. Yeah, this is an ODQ match. Uh, and for those of you who go to seek out this match on YouTube, it will only be about ten to thirteen minutes. So, yeah, eleven. Yeah, 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 which probably yeah. raises the eyebrows of, uh, mm. of people who hear that this was rated five stars. Uh, so we'll, we'll, I guess I'll throw it out to the, uh, the round table first. When you saw the length of this match, did you think that this was going to be? Anything. I mean, the, when I see the two names on picks, I love Terry yeah. Funk and Jerry Lawler is one of the fucking best of all time. I'm convinced of it. I love Jerry Lawler. He's so good. And when I see these, it's like, ah, you know what? It's a short one. And I've, and I've seen this match before, but it's like I, I just don't know if it's gonna be, yeah. if it's gonna live up to this lofty thing. It was the first five star match. Yeah. Um. So I, I watched this match second on our list behind. Well, actually, I, I went to what I watched first. Um. But obviously, I watched something much more recent first, so that that's probably a mistake because as obviously everything changes over time, yeah. uh, especially wrestling, which um, plays off its own cliches and um, kind of staples over time. That's the nature of the business, anyway. So, um, so it's hard to compare time periods. But you turn this on, and it's eighty-one, and it's eleven minutes. Of video anywhere. There's a, few, a couple of breaks. There's some cuts yeah, in there. So it probably goes around fifteen total. Uh, the match, I'll say. And you know they start off. It's just punches, and they're beautiful punches. And I'm wondering, are they ever? And I'm wondering how how is this going to be five stars? This I'm really going to have to, you know, work this to not sound like you know to, to sound a bit pretentious. Like you've got to take it in context, but within minutes, seconds. This is so fucking captivating to watch. You just cannot take your eyes off it. And if you're trying to put yourself into the context of the time, I can't even. Yeah, I, I can completely, completely understand how people were blown away by this because the pace of it, the intensity, there's, there's no separation between the two, hardly ever through it. So there's always. It's only punches, but the timing of the punches and the selling of the punches and just the beautiful artistry of the punches. Doesn't matter what the moves are. Terry Funk's oh, opening salvo. So they, they go to like you know Terry kind of takes advantage early on, throws him to the floor, gets back in, and Funk starts off just a little bit dirty. So shot does. to the ribs, no, shot to the ribs, and he's on on him with punches, and he sets the tone with, "You're not getting a break. You're not going to get posing. I'm going to beat you up." Yeah, he goes out to the floor to get an atomic drop, so he doesn't get any respite by being on the floor. Back in the ring, it's the jabs in the corner from Funk, the right-handed jabs, and then a fucking oh. left hook. That everybody needs to watch. Everybody thinks Jeff Jarrett's punches on Raw a couple of weeks ago were great. This absolutely pours out a horse cock and pisses all over him. This is unbelievable. This is an unbelievable punch from Terry Funk, and he's a man known for throwing unbelievable punches, and he throws many of them in this. So uh, yeah, and and the crowd early on so into Jerry Lawler. I mean, what do you expect? But well, still, the the majesty of these punches cannot be undersold. They are the finest, finest. Par excellent, most wonderful, marvelous punches you will ever see in a wrestling match. Um, to just uh, backtrack slightly, just on the on the on the timing and things, I did wonder when I when I clicked on the link to watch. I thought, ten minutes. Have I got the right match here? I'm a bit concerned. But I think even though it's clipped, I, the impression I was getting from watching it was that because you could hear the. Um, the announcer in the background with his five minutes gone, ten minutes gone, sort of thing. I think the only thing they sort of clipped from it was just a couple of spells where Dead they're spots. on the outside. Yeah. So you don't you don't miss anything that's you know 
don't think so either. Pertinent to the match. Um, and yeah, the one thing you touched on there, Liam, I want to go straight to is the crowd. The, the, I, no, I'm not. I don't want to sort of suggest that the, the match needed help, but you know, the hot crowd just just gives it that that little bit extra because the way they react to each punch. The way that they're so engrossed in it, I, I keep thinking of a couple of things where, where the ref gets shoved down, and you see a few in the audience sort of stand up like, "Oh wow, shit!" The ref's just taking a bump. Imagine that a novelty at a ref bump. <laughs> the woman who's flinching at the old that, ladies throwing uh, punches. Uh, no, no, though there is that. Yeah, I was thinking more the um, the slightly larger woman who's in, over in the corner that you see her just flinching away as Lawler's throwing the chair on the outside at Funk's legs near the end yeah. near the end the way that the crowd just go batshit crazy for the strap Jerry removes the oh. strap and my god do they go ballistic and then it's the noise with each punch oh 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 ah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's Wonderful. They both bleed a gusher. Um, I'd like to think that there was sort of a cerebral element to to Lawler going for the uh, for the white ring guitar in this instance, oh, yeah. oh, just just to emphasise the blood. You know, He's pro that he is. And yeah, um, you get a nice little bit of chicken shit Jimmy Hart on the outside as well. It's, yeah, uh, he's tremendous. It's uh, it's a lovely little treat. It is. It's it's, it's only about. Uh, about ten minutes, but it's ten excellent minutes. And you really should go out your way to see it if you haven't. Yeah, it's, it's just trying to trying to imagine the atmosphere of those people watching it, and you you can just there's this feeling where it's not even a match they're watching. It's it's a fight they're watching. Yeah, it's a fight. It's it's happening, and this is the center of the universe. Every, every second matters. It is, yeah, and that's what makes Funk so captivating when he's because things. I love I love the way you mentioned the strap coming down, people going crazy. So so early on, Funk gets busted open first. He gets thrown into a bell outside the ring. Terry's bleeding, and he's doing his great selling and movements that you'd expect from Terry. Funk. Oh, the, the, the one thing I've always loved about Terry is the is the wild flailing, you know, punch that I'm going to miss, but I'm swinging like a drunk man. Well, that's the beautiful that one he catches him with is that yeah. swinging baseball pitch of a, of, of a punch, and he actually lands it. So that's the great thing. He is. I was going to say later on because we've got another Funk match. Spoiler, folks. Mm-hmm. He is. Just the master of chaos. It's when he's in the ring, anarchy is happening, and it's fucking real. It's just all gravitates to him. He's just he's wonderful to watch. He is, it's, it's, and, and of course, when the, the fight gets back in, at one point, Lawler goes for the uh, goes for a cover, gets broken by Jimmy Hart, chases him around the ring for a nice little reaction. He hides under the ring. Jerry kind of whatever, whatever, gets back in there and gets to it. Fun kind of gets back in the fight with the uh, a JYD headbutt and starts biting him, and Lawler gets busted open. And this is great because, and there's a point, so now they're both bleeding. It's only about six minutes in. <laughs> six, seven minutes in. But it's the point where, and Funk's just throwing those punches, throwing those punches, and he throws the one punch. And the, the thing is, too, the crowd's simmering the entire time. They're yes. waiting for their cue from Jerry on when they're supposed to lose their fucking minds because they're living and dying with him. So when he gives them the cue, they're going to know. And it's that one punch when he's in the ropes, Funk gives them the shot, and Lord just looks to the crowd. It's just, it's just, it's, they just... His head turns. Yeah, he's, he, he, he's, he's, it's a gentle no-sell. Yeah, gentle no-sell. It's just like a... 
fucking I'm not hell. gonna take any more he's, yeah exactly it's time one more he looks out at the crowd again and people can stop you know it. he gives him one more time and it's he coming. starts fucking pumping it's coming. the fucking straps down and the place goes ballistic and here we go now it's back and forth with the punches Lawler with that great execution of the punch where he throws the right hand and his left hand follows through on the other side so it looks like a fucking windmill going through somebody's head and Funk just take, it takes a few of them takes that spinning bump at the end <laughs> for the big one it's great and just when it looks like again it's, it's another it's a beautiful comeback the only point he slows down is when he whacks on the spinning toe hold and he wants to rip Lawler's white trousers that's afterwards yeah is it, oh, yeah, sorry yeah, yeah that's after it's a visual so, so oh, he hits the fist drop hearts in with a chair Jimmy Hart comes in with a chair which I like this because obviously after having the, the tease interference before he catches Hart this time and pops him so there's a pop for, for, for Jimmy so they get the most out of that as well and then Terry comes from behind with a chair hits him in the knees it's this great like and I love this about wrestling it's done well is the balance of the the, yeah, the highs and the lows the, the, the ebb and flow of like these, these big moments that we want to see Lawler getting back into the fight even though he's covered in blood swinging for the fences and then Funk takes out the knee with a chair he's bashing the knee with a chair it does slow down when he's ripping the. T- he's trying to rip his tights. He can't, he can't get it ripped, so he's 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 and he's so desperate because they don't do anything. Other than, all, mm. he, all he does is rips rips the, the tights by his knee, but he wants that rip for the visual. So when Jerry's hobbling, when he gets up from the toehold, yeah. it just looks like it's he's been through a war, and it's just a simple thing. But he's so obviously the visual is so important to him uh, as an aesthetic for the rest of the, for the whole match as, as in, in its entirety. Um, he, he he spends his time to get that that knee ripped open. And he, he does. He gets, it's worth it it's worth it and eventually Hart goes to the chair back into Terry Jerry gets it hits him back in the knee again that poetic justice that we love hits him pretty much in the, the same way jabs him in the back of the knee and Terry takes the big bump a bit bit more over the top bump as, as the rule should be for the heel uh, Jerry swings hits him in the, in the, in the new chair eventually he kind of rolls to the floor and he just starts beating the fuck out of him with the chair just again and again and again it's no DQ and then on about the 8 count after beating him to death with the chair with the old woman wincing in the front row he gets back in ding 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 it's over and Jerry Lawler celebrates as if it's a true win everybody celebrates with him like it's a true win well, he is a win yeah, this, this... it's a fight so to yeah. beat the shit out of the guy enough to do that it meant something yeah. I'm, I'm the one still standing this, exactly. this is not Lex Luger SummerSlam 93 exactly. count out victory no but at the same time it did give Terry Funk the ability to come back on TV which he didn't say everybody in this fucking company is against me <laughs> the referees are against me you're against me Lance these cameramen are against me nobody wants me to succeed against Jerry so there's, there's, there's no situation where I can wrestle you where I can get a fair fight unless no one else is there which is which is where it was going so this was a, this was a lot of fun and uh, I I'm not going to ask everybody to rate the matches because that seems like it's kind of against the point. I just wasn't going to do it. But I do have the the, the belief that the whole idea of a five-star match is that this is perfect for the context that it's in. Would you consider this perfect for what it was? It's hard to say since we weren't there at the time. No, I said that, but I just think from the reaction for those people, how engrossed they are, how much they are with them, how different it was just in pacing to what they'd be used to in in wrestling at the time. This, I can only imagine this would have been like Fry and Takayama in 81 in, mm. terms of, in terms of intensity and violence I know it's not a wrestling match but well I guess it was it was pride um, <laughs> so I, just, I, complete, I can understand how this is unlike most things they've see, they'd seen at the time with the intensity and just the execution of those two guys doing something completely simple but so perfectly as well yeah well, I mean there, there have been a lot of great Memphis brawls a lot of great Memphis matches There's, and, and the, I'm sure people listening to this will have watched a lot more Memphis or, or be suggesting this, 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 this match as a comparison for, for that but uh, they didn't get the five so they're, they're not getting called out this time but what I think I like about this one in particular like you say it is the execution it is funk 
being so great and, and you can hear him when he's on offense with his shrieking and the, and like that, that madman shriek that he has when he's a heel on offense I just fucking love so this, this is like watching two guys who I just have the highest regard for being great against each other so this was this was as this this was a close one. I think I'd have a hard time saying this was like a perfect match. Yeah, I was. I mean, I would say it's probably too short. There's not enough. Oh, well, it's nice. It's, oh, it was perfect I, for what it was. I don't even want to get into I was, that. I was, yeah. was yeah. going to say it, it's it's really difficult to try and contextualise it because we weren't there at the time. I, I think that the sort of the sort of finite point I could put on it is just the, the fact of, irrespective of context, watching it now. I still thought it was fucking great. It was fucking great. If I, if a match like this happened today, people would be losing their minds about how, first of all, how great it looked, the, the punches, how well it was done, and how excited it is that oh my god, we're going to get this again because of the, the nature of the finish. Yeah, but you, it, to, to to be close today, you'd have to have two guys in a similar position. So, mm. I mean, yeah. I, I, the, the only thing that, that I could it possibly compare. The, no, the only thing I could think of that was even, and this is a ridiculous comparison. But the Lesnar Cena match. Yeah, that's exactly rules. what I thought. That's exactly what I thought too. Watching it because it's yeah, it's more of an angle than a match. It's a, yeah, it's a, but it is a match and it's so different to any other typical match. So yeah, I, that's that went through my head too. But it's, it's a fight environment that it's a unique kind of in the moment principle thing of like Brock's back after all these years away. He's hard weighed him immediately, so it just has a different feel. There's blood. We can. See, it's just it just feels yeah, it feels like a fight. It feels like a fight in the moment, which is a, a rare thing to capture. So to see it here in its in all its glory delivered so well was quite a uh, like you say, Carl, a treat. I believe is the word that you used. So we're gonna have to come back and watch some more Terry Funk and Jerry Lawler matches for this podcast because this was a this was a trip. But uh, we're moving on now. If there's any final comments to the second match on our list, our docket for today, which is Mitsuhara Masawa versus Jumbo Saruta, June eighth, nineteen ninety. Uh, this uh, maybe we should end the show with your uh, your reminiscence of Masawa's theme, Kieran. Really, I can't remember. I need to work on the on the verses. The chorus writes itself. Yeah, it's, it, and unfortunately, every time I hear the song, actually, you know what? The, the, I got the it verses right. I I, it, I I write it in my head every single time. I hear the <laughs> so Masawa and Saruta. The backstory here, for those who don't know, Masawa had been Tiger Mask two for about five six years prior to this. Uh, was junior heavyweight moved to heavyweight in eighty five. Um, about three, it was three weeks before this match. I didn't realize it was in such close proximity. Was the match when he ripped off the, the, the actual tiger mask mask and launched it into the crowd and challenged Jumbo Saruta, who obviously is the the the, the long time the daddy man. him and Tenru, the top guys of, of the eighties, going back and forth with the triple crown. And it was just a, it's an interesting dynamic because when he did the reveal and said he was going to be Mitsuhara Masawa, at every house show for the next three weeks, they would just be chanting Masawa's name mm-hmm. in the crowd and even like before the show would start at house shows it was like this thing like it's a breakthrough and when this match happened the design was not for Miss Sauer to win no I was gonna say I was, un- I was under the impression that this was this was very much a case of Baba hearing the chant in the weeks following the unmasking yep. and deciding to ride the hot day hand the show, day, it was day of the show hours before the match was going to happen he, he was in the back and he heard the chants again in the crowd he looked out at the merchandise line which was a massive for Miss Sauer's stuff and he called an audible and he said, Ah, Mitsawa. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Masao tells going over. Can, we, can it be a DQ? Yeah. No. Can it be, can it be a Kenna? No. One word answer from Barber. Is that, is that how it went down? Yeah. Sur- Sur- something along those lines, yeah. Basically, he, went, he said, tell Saruta Masao going over. Saruta comes back and says, can it be a count out? And Barber says, no. And that's it. End of discussion. And what you saw was, was the output. So... 
and again it was it was a judgment call in the heat at the moment and we'll talk about the context of it I get oh, we're talking about it now but it's the whole idea of before this show this show didn't sell out after this show they sold out over 200 consecutive wow. shows for six straight years in Tokyo that's fucking awesome. which in many ways is kind of it's well, I mean, we don't need to get into the history of, of all Japan and, and go off too too far down the sort of primrose path line. But, it's, but, but tickets for Budokan shows would sell out at the end. At the yeah. end of this show, they sold out for the next show. But yeah, to think about how hot the... Well, it, it was big in the first instance, how hot it became again after this. And to think where it is now as a company, you think, oh, well, let's not dear. Dear. <laughs> Oh, dear. But, you know... That's for another time. Onto the onto the good stuff. Onto the match. Misawa. Yeah, this Misawa. Misawa. <laughs> you see him at the start, and he's just standing there, and again, three weeks removed from Tiger Mask. He's there in his, his emerald green. He's got fucking Kabashi and Kawada with him, which is just like, look at these young young guys here. And I love Kabashi anyway. Yeah. Kabashi's like my, one of my all-time favourites. So it was great to see. And obviously he comes down, and the people are just completely with him. But they're into Jumbo too, and and that was kind of an interesting thing. Was at the start of the match, it's a lot more split than I expected. I thought I thought yeah. there, there was a chance of Masawa. I no, I see. I thought they were with Mas- they were with Masawa, um, all the way through. They know Jumbo was the man, and he was seen as the man. But they wanted Kabashi. Uh, they wanted Masawa to win. That, that's, that's, that is and pretty that, much ex- they were it was explained. Yeah. Mel- Mel- I should clarify. Meltzer was in the building. Okay. And he said that the, the 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 vibe in the air was that everybody wanted Misawa to win, but didn't truly believe he would because yeah. of the way the hierarchy is in Japan. That's well, watching because I didn't know any of the context to it. Um, and it is it's just watching it with Japanese commentary, so I'm not hearing anything, so I'm making up my own story. Just the guy, these two guys with their, with their work, and it's Jumbo is the man, and the crowd know he's the man, but they want Misawa to be the man. And when the match starts, he's just a bit too big, he's a bit too tough. I like that. Misawa. And then he does, this, he does, he does the roll through and the bridge, yep. and everyone buys his near fall. And at that point, it's like. He that's could, the one I wrote he down. Could, he, could, he could win this. And that's the thing. That one, that, that, that flash near fall, it's like, he could win this. And it's. Oh. Well, I think there's that. And then I think. And then it's the strike to the side of the head. The kick is at the. Is it the kick? Which one are you thinking? There's quite a few strikes in no, this No, no, it's, 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 it's the first... I'm trying to remember the first one that gets sort of an audible... It's a bit of an audible gasp. The and, one that... and Saruta really sells... You know, hand, hand to the side of the head. Oh, really, yes. Really sells it. I think that. I think that's almost a sort of breakthrough with the crowd as well. Like, you know, is not playing around here. He's, 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 he's not come... You know, he's not here just to put on a show... He could do this. Yeah. Well, I think I think he starts off. The jumbo's just a bit too big and a bit too strong. Oh, he fucking kills him with a lariat right at the yeah. beginning. Just fucking creams him. This is cream, and then he does. I can't remember the spot. Basically, just it's to the outside. It's to the floor. Yeah, and he's. But so the, the story is, yeah. But this young guy's quick. He's dynamic. He's flashy, and then he does the roll through in, in the bridge, and he does have a way to win this, but. We're not really sure if he can, but we really, really want him to. Peace. <laughs> well, that's it. Like the, 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 the turning point. There's a lot to the match. We'll get to it as we go. But it's kind of stream of consciousness thinking rather than mm. chronological. So oh, deal yeah. with it. <laughs> but the point is, there was a, as it gets going, there was a point where Masawa hits the dive, the crossbody from the top to the floor, and it's from that point on where everything about Saruta's selling and his facial expressions is amplified. It's bigger and it's more of a struggle. And it's more difficult for him now. And that's what the one right after that crossbody to the floor 
when he does the role in reverse cradle, and that's when people are like, oh, oh, oh my god, oh, okay. He's vulnerable. He's actually got a chance to win this, because, and again, that, that speaks to how great Jumbo is, yeah. to, to portray that so well. Um, there's a lot, again, there's a lot to talk about, but I, the, the, one of the things I do like early on is that, obviously after Jumbo gets that initial, which I like, because typically speaking, you would think maybe give Masao some of the, the immediate start, kind of, oh, he's got the chance kind of a thing. And I like they didn't rush to that. They, they, no. they Jumbo first, establish the normal world. Masao's got to climb the mountain, and he gets like, he, he does pretty well, so he gets the flurry on the floor. Jumbo goes into the, ends up getting sent to the rail and over the rail. They go back in, the pace slows, and then Masao slaps him a couple of times. Yes! And Jumbo's face is just great. Like, you that's, enough, see, that's enough, kid. The older statesman, like, you fucking what? <laughs> the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> you fucking what, mate? And that's when he starts getting a bit of a shoo-in. <laughs> so uh, he still fights back, but uh, yeah, Jumbo, when Jumbo hits that high knee, uh, it, which he goes for early in Misawa sidesteps, and that kind of allows him to get a little bit of offense in his first, you know, the, the drop kick the first time. But then when he finally hits the high knee, and that's it, then he just cuts him off, and it's, he controls it for a little bit from there. Well, you, and you have elements of that throughout the match, which, which sort of give gives Jumbo a bit of a bit of an out as well for matches in the future, like when he when he misses and ends up straddling the top row, yeah, the final spot, yeah, yeah. the final spot where he's holding the grin. You have you know little bits like that where it's. Oh, so you sort of get that contrast of, okay, yeah, Masao is not playing around. He does have a chance. Oh, but there is an element of Jumbo coming unstuck because of his own actions as well. And so you know, going forward from this match, yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's enough. There's enough elements in there to keep that interest. It's like we know Masao is good, but you are slightly fortuitous. We need to see it again. You need, yeah, yeah. You need you still need. Take my money. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming back. Yeah, but what I liked about it though, and there's many things I like about it, but when Jumbo's in control and control and control, there was a point where the crowd is simmered. They're, 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 they're quelled, they're quashed a bit. And obviously they, where they're going it's great, but it's like, there's a point where it's like, are they, are they going too far in the other direction? And this is one point where Jumbo climbs to the top rope and Masao like tries to stop him and that's the end of the spot. Jumbo goes up a second time, Masao goes to stop him, but Jumbo shows him down and hits like this kind of like jumping knee to the face off the ropes which doesn't look particularly awesome but that's he doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't sit himself he doesn't sit himself that's the important thing but the point is the bigger point is the crowd really kind of wakes up for the first time in a little while since Jumbo took over and then again shortly after that is the dive it is the, the rolling cradle and then there's like a, a flurry from Masao like just different near falls the frog splash off the top row where it gets like oh fuck and it gets louder but then and when I live and, and just when it looks like Masao is getting a little bit of flurry the, you know, Jumbo comes back hits a lariat Cover, two, pop. Then he just shoots him off into the ropes, does the same lariat, goes for a cover again, another two count, and a bigger pop. <laughs> it's like he's doing the same thing. It's just like, you know, and the whole thing too about, you know, Jumbo didn't hit his move. The, the, the backdrop suplex, which he goes for a couple times, Masawa blocks it. There's the one time when he goes for it near the end where Masawa kicks off the turnbuckle and it's, it's crash and burn, so he doesn't get the move. Jumbo doesn't get to hit his best weapon. Uh, there's so many things about this that are great there's a German suplex from Masawa which is a huge huge to get that one even though the rolling cradle was the one where they bought okay he's got a chance the German suplex on Masawa was the, I think the biggest two count of the match because like fuck me they believe it they believe that they, they actually think they're almost convinced now that this is going to happen and there's the, the, the two great spots which I love which is Masawa going for the turnaround crossbody and, and George just elbowing oh, him in the head in, in mid air and the crowd are just completely alive because Jumbo sells his elbow. Yeah, the elbow's in the, on the cranium. He's 
broke his fucking arm. Like he, he looks like he's broken his arm, and then it's almost like a desperation thing of he's in trouble. He Again, runs fortuitous element. Fortuitous. He runs in for that. He rushes in for that big boot, and like you say, he moves out the way. He crotches himself. Bungies himself. Bungies a fucking great upside it's down because so, like, it's so completely middle-aged like, Japanese guy who's yeah. a giant. <laughs> And he just bungees, he just run full force and bungees himself in the road. It's brilliant. Yeah, a huge sell to that, a huge reaction to that. The crowd's alive, edge of the seat stuff, and then here we go for the finish. Go for vertical suplex, Misawa ducks behind, goes for the for a backdrop of his own. Jumbo twists, lands on top. One, two, all the way over. Misawa's on top. One, two, three. Last second kick out, but the crowd goes ballistic, and this is like the crowning. The coming of age. It's a coming of age. It's like we've watched this guy grow up before our very eyes. He's he's anointed king. Simba is lifted on the shoulders of just how how great is though when he's in disbelief in disbelief that he's won and he's holding his hand out. Three, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got the son of a bitch. I did it, I did it. And equally great is Jumbo outside the ring after the match is finished. First of all, doing the, the holding the crotch like that oh, was yeah. the thing that really yeah. fucking did a number on him. But also, as he's like stammering into the rail, he's clutching at the guys up against the rail to keep him up, like he's fucking dead, like clinging to stay on his feet. It's masterful. It's so good. I cut yeah again. Watch this match if you haven't seen it, folks. It's on YouTube. You can go and see it. This match I love because I've seen. I feel like I've seen matches that I loved more, but to just see like the actual knowing the heat of the moment stuff and seeing the way Jumbo is and, and the way he executes this match as well as Masao because Masao is notorious for not having the most dynamic facial expressions, but Jumbo's amazing. Jumbo, yeah, completely carries the kind of the I'd say the drama side of it for me. He's, he, it's his pacing. It's mm. his. He's the He's the established star the, the, who knows the, how to have a match. And he's... The emotion stems from him. Which is kind of masterful because to me it's like for, for him to carry the emotion and for it not to be a clear carry job and for Masao to still be the one who gets elevated in the match and not being like, I'm so great and I've put you over, which mm. kind of is, that's a tricky balance. But he, this is this is so well done. So well done. So this this does get a, a mark of perfection. I think this match could have been done any better. What it was trying to, clearly what it was trying to accomplish from what history tells us 200 sellouts later <laughs> yeah over 300 sellouts almost 6 full years of, of, of sellout business in, there in Tokyo and in Budokan yeah absolutely incredible stuff so a, a really fun match to watch uh, in retrospect and I would love for uh, people to watch this match and kind of give us, our, give us their thoughts on what they like and what they don't and just in terms of a bit of context afterwards there wouldn't be many more moments like this with Saruta no he's, 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 he's gone he's, a couple of years later a couple of years later he, he has the um, well that's the gone, gone not, not but gone he gets, but he has his um, he has his health, hepatitis I believe health issues and, and from that point on he's pretty much only used sparingly in, in some tag matches and mm-hmm. things so there weren't uh, and he, he, died, he dies about a decade after this yeah so there weren't there weren't many more great moments for Jumbo so it's uh, it's good to watch watch some towards the end just a nice refresher yeah great stuff which takes us to the third match of the five that we're going to review today, gentlemen. It is Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, the first ever from Bad Blood, October 5th, 1997. Uh, in terms of context for this match, I mean, a lot of people will know this match. This is probably the match that most people are familiar with, with the background of. But Shawn Michaels had obviously recently turned heel. Very peculiar time for the World Wrestling Federation here, post-SummerSlam 97, where Shawn, a long-time babyface hero for many of us, has, has, has gone heel playing the chicken shit he's with Helmsley in China here at this point and Rude um, and him and Taker are headlining the pay-per-views 
Austin at the time Austin's is around with a neck injury and not wrestling. And the Heart Brett Foundation is. is kind of in kind of purgatory a little bit here. And this is the the day Brian Pillman died. Obviously, it hangs a bit of a black cloud over the entire show. Apart from Shawn Michaels, who apparently and decided I'm just gonna have an ace match today because at this point in time he could just do anything, and he was fucking fantastic in his sleep. In his sleep, this man was an excellent, excellent wrestler. And this, this, I, I will stand by it. I think this is the best cage match I've ever seen. I think this is so good. Yeah, I'd probably second that. I can't remember anything that's even close. <laughs> I, I know people think that Magnum and Tully is 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 awesome, and I love that match too. But this is just, I think this is. It's a different type of match. Different kind of match, but and Sean's performance just yeah. This is a performance for the ages. This is an this is an humble, un- humble, unbelievable, uh, unbelievable effort here. In terms of a uh, again, this is one of those things where it's like you know how like Austin and Brett from Mania Thirteen, as good as it is, gets the extra points for the all around presentation stuff like the commentary, stuff like the post match, the pre match, everything that kind of went into it. This is kind of similar because while we're going to talk about the match a lot, this is one where I really do think that the commentary shockingly enough actually adds to the match <laughs> a novel concept I know but from the very beginning they're pushing this match as Sean's Waterloo yeah he's, he's gonna get yeah. his comeuppance it's the whole it's everything that the way cage matches used to be which anyone who's only watched wrestling for the past 15 years will have no concept you're of you're fucked yeah it's a cage match with a roof it's, there's no funny business mm-hmm. absolutely they even check under the ring they check this under the ring. chicken shit heel's going nowhere the most arrogant self-centred superstar in the history of the World Wrestling Federation is going to get his tonight it's just it's just the, the way that um, in great to Sean he's still strutting out to the ring you know he's, he's not playing up that chicken shit nature just yet He's got his crew with him, Triple H trying to glom as much screen time as humanly possible in what would become the first of many sickening acts over the uh, career of Triple H. But for again, for another day, Shawn Michaels strutting out, audibly refers to himself as the man as he's strutting down the aisle, one arm raised, gets in the ring, Pyro goes off, it's, 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 it's the whole... Um, it's the whole Shawn Michaels enchilada. It's uh, it's Shawn at his pulled up best. <laughs> then Taker comes out, and the cage is there. As soon as the dong goes off, and all, yeah, all of a sudden, Shawn changes. <laughs> <It's> his <laughs> pants. <laughs> He's not quite so confident anymore. <laughs> and you have the he great sees his friends start to leave. <laughs> and you have that the, uh, the the great bit of contrast. I can't remember the lines that, but it's something about. You know, Reality's just started to dawn on Sean Michaels, yeah, yeah. and you know he looks he looks around behind him. There's nowhere to go. The heel's trapped, and Taker's just gonna stalk him for a while. It's the it's the proverbial no it's the proverbial cat and mouse because he can't get anywhere. He's not getting out of this cell. There's no way out. It's been padlocked shut. He is trapped. There is no escape he for Shawn Michaels. Fucked. <laughs> and this is it. <laughs> this is great. This is months. This is this is what, what was. This is, is a couple of months in the making, following the chair shot. Yes, they'd had the match at Ground Zero, which was a fun match in and of itself. Yeah. But this is the real deal now. Yeah. This this is it. Shawn screwed. No no refs to get in the way and stop the match. No no shenanigans. No funny business. No rules. No nothing. And and this is after two. We should have after the accidental chair shot. But they'd done the thing on Raw where it was he, he'd pretty much gone full blown heel and, and level taken and busted him open with a chair, which uh, which it, it gets a great callback later on. But uh, 
yeah and here we go and just that, that slow thing of Sean backpedaling backpedaling looking for a way to go he's yelling at Vince outside the cage <laughs> yeah. as, as Decker slowly walks around and then we just get the great first spot where Sean hits the ropes ducks a clothesline gets booed Boots. in the face and just fucking eats it well he hits the ropes it's, Sean if you know seen Sean hit the, the ropes in the, old, in the LWF ring he's five times as fast as anyone else yeah. he's oh, and he just, him and Austin are about the only two yeah that's true um, so he's the, yeah the slow stalk on the axe gets in hits the ropes like like fucking Usain Bolt and big boot to the face and it's on and he's going to get his ass kicked <laughs> pretty much eat it his bumping is absolutely oh. unbelievable I, I, I do want to talk about this in the order of the match if we can because try. It, and we, we'll, we'll try but it's, it's very very difficult the table for the, obviously we, we don't have video but the table is currently levitating <laughs> uh, around, from six around, eight around, around where Kieran is sat right now <laughs> the table is on a slight slant Sean's punches are awesome by the way I know that Take is the one who is early on just thrown around into the turnbuckles Sean kind of gets a little bit of an up hand gets some punches down in the corner gets some jabs and some right hands in but it's not long yeah. <laughs> it's like this it's the reverse it's the reverse um, of, the, of the big heel being the the, the, uh, the plucky baby face this is the he's getting the, the uh, obnoxious chicka chick heels getting his ass handed to him and he occasionally gets a little uh, glimmer of light and he can just unloads on the Undertaker with piston right mm-hmm. rights and stuff. It's just it, it, it is fantastic. He's just everything he does is great. But oh, I, just, I, I need to slow myself down otherwise I'll start <laughs> jumping ahead to other spots. But it's a, but it's a mere flurry. It is a flurry. It's, 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 it's a brief flurry, but that's all he's going to get at this early juncture because Taker again. It's just slow, but it's it's unique, cool things one after the other. It's like a backdrop where Sean's feet hit the roof. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is like again, just a little. Well, it's the call from Jr. So Jr. That makes that. Yeah. Uh, again, though, I think J- the commentary. Jr. Who just. Yeah. He's on fire. He's in this impeccable. Match. He's he's on fire in this match. Lawler is actually pretty good too, yeah. which sounds like quite a confusing thing <laughs> considering that Lawler doesn't have a ton of great years as a commentator. But I thought he, he in this match was really good. I think Vince is really good. It's it's perfect for Vince's over-the-top excited nature mm-hmm. because it's a first and it's yeah because it is so big and so yeah. broad and Sean's bumping makes it so big and so broad Taker throws him over the top rope and his feet are kind of grazing the edge of the cage as he goes over he just eats it on his oh, hip on the floor God. it's just painful looking stuff um, Sean tries to kind of like climb the cage to escape Taker just yanks him straight back down and a couple of times whips him just I whip him straight to the cage Simple. and when he comes out just fucking lariats it's him it. and Sean's got that great look on his face just like oh fucking Jesus Christ <laughs> which is awesome uh, you get the spot where Taker kind of power bombs him into the cage a couple of times yeah. and Sean's trying to hold on for dear life uh, he gets him in a bear hug and he goes back and forth between the post and the and the cage again it's simple and it doesn't look particularly great but the way he's selling it and the way Taker's delivering it like he is like a badass throwing this sack of shit around to beat the crap out of him and torture him. It's just, it's just beautiful. It's yeah. Beautiful. Did you say the? Is it later when he goes for the pat? He does the power bomb again. Another one of Sean's pseudo uh, heel hope spots is when you like you catch, you hold on to the cage and, and he holds on to the cage. So he's in in the in the power bomb position, just nails on him from. The, the, but then he catches him and then he yeah. throws him into the oh, cage wall, which is great. There's a, a great spot which again I love t- early match teases that, that are like callbacks later on where Taker goes for the battering ram into the cage. Yes. But he escapes, Taker hits the cage, sells it, but then just turns around and fucking levels Sean with another clothesline. It's like, no, nope. okay. no, not, not yet. Not tonight. Not yet, mate. And another one um, was the actual attack on the, the cameraman as well, because Sean's yes. walking past him, and he just gives a typical Sean... Uh, the, the, uh, the, the stereotypical Sean Michael's response, get the fuck out of the way, or something like that. 
and it's beautiful because it's such a, a subtle little foreshadowing what's coming it's playing off this perceived reputation of Sean the Prick yeah Sean the Prick what's yes, true what's yes, not true yes yes perceived well if you're working it like this car you're conscious of it if you're conscious of it then you are you're aware of the perception playing yeah, it up to the max. exactly um, <laughs> and I, uh, it just you know. it's on the pile driver spot later on which is in itself deserves yeah. some conversation <laughs> but this leads to uh, take a shoot into the cage and Sean hits it so hard he bounces off and Taker it changes his trajectory so when Taker's going in for the follow up he actually misses and which allows Sean to just pounce on him which is again a great way to get the advantage because it's that not lucky Sean lucky piece of shit that, that fucking little bastard well, yeah, the way he goes well he almost just like collapses on top of yeah. him into, into the point yeah it's like, he's, it's like his last ditch effort at which point they talk about how you know Sean has had success against giants in the past here in the WWF he's not completely to be counted out which is like, yeah, you save that for now. But, uh, you know, it's a, a good little piece. Take a kind of does the guillotine, but then it ends up with Sean hitting take on the apron, knocking him into the cage, and doing what I think might be one of his only topes of his career. I couldn't think of him doing another one. Uh, I've seen a lot of Shawn Michaels. I'll be sure he did some of the rockers with Mark, him and Mike doing it together. But, I mean, there's a singles guy around this time. He didn't do that very often, didn't feel like. But anyway, here, straight into the cage, which is beautiful. So at this point, he's now got the advantage. He climbs the cage wall, drops off with the elbow and spits at the fans. What a prick. <laughs> what a prick. Yeah, he's, uh, he's absolutely sensational. Uh, this is where, I, I believe this is the point where he uses the steps on Taker a couple of times only to set up the pile driver on the steps, <laughs> which is one of my... He, he only did it on rare occasion. I can I, think I, maybe I, a handful of times when he did this. But I every can... time... Off the, off the top of my head I can only remember him doing it twice he did both times to take her he did it to Cena at Wrestlemania uh, 23 oh so he did he's saying specifically on the steps oh, yeah okay. always on the steps yeah, yeah. The, the, the steps because he, he does it at the rumble as well doesn't he with take her yeah. yeah but this is yeah. and he, even here you have the you have the sort of the rare moment of this isn't Undertaker just pancake flat afterwards there's a, there's a bit of writhe in there there's a, you know there's a clinic ooh ooh shit Mm. the dead man's actually in pain and again Sean takes JR on commentary again yeah sickening (laughs) see the the sound of his skull cracking off the steps yeah and then they get back in the ring Sean grabs the chair which again leads to them saying well it started with a chair so maybe Sean's going to finish it with a chair he uses it on his back a few times throws it away Um, takers oh fuck me there's there's, there's two we're talking about punches punches is the theme of this show it feels like for me there's a punch early on it's, it's in Taker's first period where he's just kicking the fuck out of Michaels Michaels gets his little flurry of punches but then Taker fights back and he like blocks a punch and throws one Sean takes a bump and back rolls and he just comes walking into Taker and Taker gives him this fucking one punch that should be like a wrestling school like 101 this is how you throw and take a punch it was so unbelievably good and then this at this point in the match later on when Sean's been hitting with a chair and he's now on offense and they're in the corner and he's going for a punch and Taker blocks it and throws on back and Sean's arms bobble back and he comes back in and he, uh, it's another block it's another throw it's another block it's another throw Sean runs off the ropes comes in kicks him and it leads to them tying Taker in the ropes which leads to the, the big spot with the cameraman where he obviously hits the ropes gets backed off onto the cameraman uh, who kind of no-sells it to be quite frank they both do they both just get up and Sean yeah. just belts him in the face but uh, I just love that punch exchange in the corner where like, Sean's getting some in but Taker's firing back and again the crowd's coming the crowd's coming he's keeping the baby face alive but uh, after the uh, after the cameraman goes down that's pretty much the end of you know, that young cameraman 
who Vince speaks of in, in hushed tones as a tragedy yes, yeah. here on the day of the death of Brian Pillman yeah so that's never, never misses a beat does he never misses a trick uh, so yeah the, the, the cameraman gets thrown and shelled on the outside by Sean gets back in and uh, Sean hits the forearm hits the elbow hits the tuning up the band hits the, yeah and here, here comes Sarge with, and the referees to help the cameraman out the door hits the super kick and Taker just sits up like and Sean fuck this <laughs> tails it <laughs> see you later boys and he breaks out the door and this is where the match takes a totally different gear as good as this match has been goes through the roof at this point this is where it's like oh my god oh my god this is the most exciting match they've, these people have seen oh, in yeah. years because this is where it really kind of boils down and the violence of it gets splendid Sean at first is not losing takers after him but Sean Yo throws the drop kick knocks him to the cage reaches into his wrist tape and pulls out the blade because it take a cat is the drop kick and Sean with his wonderful flip the hair back on, on his way up on the catapult blade job hits the cage and by the time he's on the ground he's already bleeding <laughs> and they repeat the spot yeah uh, battery battering rams him then battering rams him which he teased get, earlier on yeah. this yeah. time he Comes does back it to, you get the lovely visual of the face going into the cage heading towards the camera yeah and again, I think it should. Yeah, we're talking about contact. It should probably be pointed out that blood in cage matches in the WWF from like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, not ninety seven, not a common feature. Yeah. Especially good blood but, as well. Yeah, and heavy, heavy. I was going to say not, not just blood in cage, just blood as a general rule of thumb. You just yeah. don't see it. This was and this was the proverbial crimson mask because this was this is a fantastic yeah. play job from Sean. And then just as obviously things are picking up, a low blow. Sean out of desperation with a low blow and then climbs the cage desperately to escape and then take a climb to the top and then here we go there was just a couple of little things up to this point um, which I thought should have been executed slightly better was the, first of all the, the sequence up to obviously the super kick and the, and, and the sit up um, by Taker whilst the, EM, whilst the EMTs are removing the cameraman and it's split attentions of the crowd so really I thought the emphasis of the super kick is like, like that should have been a go home sequence perceived as that mm-hmm. it didn't come across like that because everyone knew something's going to happen now because the door's open yeah, they're probably waiting that. for DX to run in that's what, yeah, at the time, that's what I thought um, and then the oh, sequence the super kick I can certainly see because that's one of those things that like, just kind of gets lost like he, he took his super kick and got straight back up and that's why Sean's fleeing yeah. whereas that you needed, yeah you felt like it needed the you know the, the the camera's crashing the close-up on Sean's face the whole crowd go ah yeah. they didn't get it like that so. but, and part is because they're doing two things at once yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the spotlight is on two things so it is what it is but then when they, like I said they get out they're on the cage and when Taker starts to climb the buzz starts to come so yeah well, we mentioned about um, in the with the first match with uh, Blawler and Runkerback it's not really easy for us to contextualise because how long ago the match was and even after our relative ages in relation to it. this is the first one we've covered that we can contextualise and, and sort of yeah, look through the prism because I, I remember watching it Me uh, too. didn't watch it live uh, got up early at something like five in the morning after, after it had recorded so I got up early to watch it before school and obviously I'd never seen anything like this in my life. So the buzz of that crowd as they're going up on top of the cage, and I'm saying, oh, wow, jeez. Oh, he's bleeding. What the... My mind's been blown. <laughs> I think at the time, when I'm watching this, because, like, again, I'm similar to you. This I think I saw it the next day. I want to say they replayed it on Sky. Um, they definitely replayed it before Raw. 
Oh, then, then, yeah, cause it was about, in the days. I'm going to say for, for context for any of our American listeners out there, you know who you are. Um, this is still the point where we're getting raw on a on a Friday Friday night. So we're we're getting raw at the end. And of the, the pay per views for free. And and the pay per views were free. Yep, yeah, on Sky Sports. Just to let you know. And yet they'd normally put a repeat of it on either either the following day or the or the well, day after. And yeah, it'd be on a, sort of like a, a nine o'clock at night, so a bit yeah. more a bit more of a friendly time for people. Yeah, on Sky Sports, and that was when I saw it because I, uh, that was when I caught the Pillman news, which was what it was. Internet infancy as well, so easier to avoid spoilers. Exactly, and as the long as no prick at school tells you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and just to, to see like it's just the the vivid memory to me is the Gorilla Press. One of the, as, there's like plenty of vivid visuals that are coming but the backdrop on the cage comes first the great scene where the camera underneath the cage is looking oh, at with the, Sean grinding, grinding and the, the visual face, of blood dropping the down the blood on oh. the camera and the camera himself at one point screaming ah shit <laughs> <laughs> because of Sean's as you, as you put it earlier on Kieran hepatitis blood he was just dripping their hepatitis all over him, yeah. <laughs> drizzling yeah yeah. Abdullah the Butcher may have been the cameraman <laughs> Uh, the Gorilla Press, obviously, and the, the one great punch that Sean just everything he sells just looks so Every good. Every little body movement of this guy. I know we just talk. Uh, we we're talking about the time. great moments in that, but the mechanics of Sean's, oh, the aesthetics of his body movements. Yeah. yeah, and this everything this... he takes and does looks perfect, and with a purpose. Yeah, yeah. This is. I was going to say the the. You know, he sort of sells big for Taker, but this isn't SummerSlam against Hogan. Comedy selling. Even then, though, I think this it's is a bum rap. No one at the time was mocked that much. It was only retrospective okay, years later with the Benny Hill but music. But, but, but again, perception, perception. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it's it's selling with a purpose. It's, it's not uh, it's not slapstick. Mm. It's serious business. It's very very serious business, and especially when he's hanging on the side of the cage, which comes next. And the obviously the, the, probably one of the more memorable moments of the match, and the, the vivid memory that most people probably have, is the, the hanging off the roof, Taker stamping on the the arms, and Sean just crashing through the table, and just people pissing their pants. And they've been for the last like two minutes, they've been going crazy because it's like they cut they're cutting it. The backdrop is unbelievable. The gorilla press is unbelievable. The punch where he actually goes to the edge gets a. <gasps> Awesome! So they're they're because they're thinking he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to roll off and he's yeah. gonna roll off the side, and he's like, "Yeah, it's like, oh my god, that's so fucking." And again, I think how easy it would have been to lose your bearings there as well, though. Oh yeah, Jesus. Well, that's the thing too. Again, context. I've never seen a cage this big. Yeah. No. No. Uh, watching it, I was like, "Fuck me, this cage is enormous. This is the biggest wrestling cage I've ever seen in my life. It it completely engulfs the ring. It's so high, and it's like." I yeah, this, can't this imagine isn't, this isn't the blue barred steel cage that we're used to seeing <laughs> it just everything about this it just feels okay, again because it's the unseen it's the unknown it's also far scarier so seeing Sean fall from what looks like about 20 feet in the air from the way they shoot it the first time and of course finally completely just out does this and kind of pisses on it for everyone else forevermore but that's that off the side bump that Sean takes is so great so just free fall looks like a completely out of control it's the dangle is there a better dangler in wrestling history than Shawn Michaels <laughs> I'm not <too> sure. <laughs> I'm, thinking I'm, I'm going to do what Sonny didn't do I'm, not too <laughs> sure. I'm, th- I'm thinking that one you know the rumble when, when his edge wins and, was, and he had to win to fight Taker oh yeah that yeah a, yeah that was a magical dangle yeah that was a magical dangle and, and, and the missing the rope at the end yeah. and collapsing oh. that was great yeah, yeah. but uh 
And the thing is, that's not even it for Sean. Sean gets picked up. Thrown, oh, God. Thrown onto the other table. For all this, the thing that makes me wince the most, as daft as it seems, is then the press slam onto the remnants of that table. Of the other table. With monitors just, lying everywhere. Yeah, monitors lying there, not delicately moved out the way, papers just pushed nicely to the side. <laughs> Proper carnage. Yeah. <laughs> Format sheet placed nicely in Michael Cole's hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and there you go. This is everything about this is, is so hot, so authentic, so great. Sean is just pissing blood at this point. He gets thrown in the ring, and the, there's a great shot that I love where it's, it just shows his face, and you can always see the cut, the cut in his head, where his hair is just in the way, but you can see where the, the actual gap in his head is, where he's bleeding from. It's just, it just looks fucking great. Take it at the end. Brings him in, clothesline randomly, chokes off the top rope. Doesn't doesn't look great. Doesn't look the best, and didn't need nice, to. Be. No. Nice nice idea in theory, but uh, talking with Kieran before the um, before we started recording, it, the, the visual of the hand round the throat would have been much better. Mm. You, know, you you almost picture that idea of I say much better, but you know, you're sort of nitpicking with perfection. But but you know what I mean. Hand round the throat. The throat of a bloodied Shawn Michaels, just at the mercy. You can barely stand. Yeah, that's it. Where does it feel? Yeah, where does it feels like when they're going to the top rope to get there? The crowd's still coming down from the, yeah. the chaos they've seen. Yeah, they needed just a simple pause, hand on the throat, while the crowd can you know get pace themselves, understand that this is intended to be his go home sequence too on commentary it's fine because Vince is saying no no it's going to be the tombstone so yeah, he, he, he sets the context but then to the live audience they don't know it. they did, did this awkward kind of fall off the top and, and then the lights go off so. well oh. there's one more thing first which is one he more. hits the chokes off the top rope which again doesn't get quite that massive but reaction but it's okay it's okay because we're calling back yes we are to the steel chair oh yeah and the, <laughs> oh, re- yeah. And the <laughs> real so. poetic justice because as we know and I love this it because all, yeah. as we know it all started with a chair it did the B-side to start with a kiss <laughs> <laughs> who would have known it would come to this <laughs> I, 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 it's great first of all because when he's the top rope choke slam is, is not great as it was in execution or even reaction. At least I can see why they did it because the whole idea is, as 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 soon as Sean bleeds from that point on, we are giving the people the ultimate destruction of Shawn Michaels that we promised. It is just he's being thrown on the roof of the cage, which looks like it can break at any minute. They're screaming at how the the steel bars are breaking on the roof for God's sake as as this is all going on. Sean's just fallen from. The, the side of the cage is getting the shit out of him chokes him off the top here comes the chair and if there's a more perfect chair shot in wrestling history I don't know what it is oh that it's, fucking it's, Undertaker it's, wingspan it's, it's tremendous yeah. Sean turning into it oh yeah yeah the, the little pirouette into it you know that sort of the added danger of, he can't brace himself for this he doesn't know it's coming whack <laughs> and the crowd all know this is again it's great because it works for both the, the TV audience and the live audience the live audience forgot that it started with a chair it started with a chair early when Sean brought one in so the, again for, for the live crowd there's a poetic justice to it too but even if it's, it's subconscious but for the live for, for, for Vince and JR and the King on commentary talk about how and they even say the line I, I wrote it in my book poet, this is the awesome poetic justice spot and Vince says this is poetic justice Probably embedded in my head from years of watching this match, but he hits the ch- hits him with a chair. Jim Ross with a classic, classic call. 
No, 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 no. I'll leave oh, this one to you. I'll leave this one Basically, to you. just screaming over the sound of the molten crowd, Michael's cranium just got cracked. <laughs> and then, just as take a symbols for the tombstone, and Vince says, Yep, this is it. This is the end of Shawn Michaels. Now will come the tombstone. Yep. Here comes Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> the lights go out, the music hits. It's and Kane! Some, it's gotta be Kane! I hear the sound of a gentle weep coming from uh, a house in Shropshire somewhere. No, 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 no. This is, this is one of the few instances in which Kane was relevant. We, we've established already he was okay yeah. for like three months. He was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First six months up, of Kane up, is awesome. Up, up to Mania, fine. Yeah, after that, yeah. The, this uh, was the, the lighting technician isn't quite on cue and the pyro <laughs> kicks in aren't quite there yet. But, uh, it's a work in progress. Yeah. They're finding themselves. And this is cool because, like, again. Poor, poor Bearer appears to have gotten fatter. Which I didn't think which was is, possible. Which is quite the achievement, all things being considered. Yeah. But, uh, God rest I, his soul. But, I, but, again, another thing that's great about it is that they'd actually. Again, context of the time, they'd been dropping the cane mention since, like, May and June. Pretty much since the, the week out. Well. No, no, no. You're right. I'm sort of jumping the gun there a bit, but yeah, you get everything that harks back to the raw. Is it the raw after Mania or the week after Mania, where he realigns with Bear because Bear has this terrible I secret say over him. It's the week. Oh, it's the week not after Mania, but after the uh, Revenge of the. Taker, oh no, it maybe. is. No, sorry. Yeah, because he, he, he burns his face. It, yeah, cause it, so it all stems from he wrestles mankind in his first title defense. He um, they they done the fuck the old fire spot in the build up to it mankind said it to Taker so Taker does it to Bear at that match you know he has the inferior the horribly disfigured face his hair changes colour hair changes <laughs> colour singed it would seem and then yeah you have, you have the build up for, for weeks and months of this Bear has this terrible secret so Taker aligns with him and yeah it's just months and months of build up yeah which starts there You've got a good couple of months of build-up from the the first chair shot at SummerSlam. Well, let's not forget Muggs' cost take of the belt. Yeah. All of this building to a head. And it's that thing too, like, at the time, hearing the rumours of what Kane was going to be, and that it was going to be a new character and Glenn Jacobs and blah, 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 it had been, like, put off for months. Like I, Originally, I remember th- hearing in Power Slam or Teletext mm. or something mm. our reliable sources at the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway <laughs> especially that old Teletext I love the old wrestling Teletext we need to get some stories about wrestling Teletext <laughs> and the stories they tried to they posted on there that were going to happen yeah it's kind of like a sort of like I'm still waiting Sle- for the I'm gangsters think- to come I'm- to the WWF, saying, by the way. I'm thinking like sort of PG style sleaze thread, outlandish stories that have no real reliable nature whatsoever. No. But, consum- Jer- but consumable for all ages. Yeah. My favourite being that Jericho was going to come to the WWF as I Candy Chris Irvine. <laughs> yeah. Money. Yeah. Money. <laughs> stick in with, stick in with old uh, uh, Frosty McFang, Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tag team for the ages. It is. But on these sources, it was saying. That the finish to SummerSlam, which at the time seemed like an un- inconceivable, how they're going to get out of this with Brett Shaw and Taker, was that that was where Kane was going to debut and that was going to cause the whole situation. And no, it's been pushed back to Ground Zero. Ground Zero happens. I'm looking for Kane's debut. Nothing happens. It's a count out. It's a DQ finish. Well, that's odd. Maybe they just. And then it's something they dropped the whole fucking thing. What was Jacobs doing this time? Fuck all. Really? Getting ready for the character. Yeah. They, they well, dropped, they no, dropped no, fake no, Diesel. I was going to say, knowing for him that this is probably shit or bust. Oh, yeah, that was totally, it was totally shit of us. He, he, he bombed as the dentist. Diesel two was dead on arrival. I was going to say, and as much as much stick as I get, as I've given him over our many podcasts over the years, 
rightfully so I can't really slate him for not having superstardom through gimmicks such as the Royal Dentist and Kane 2 Oh, Kane 2 Diesel 2 <laughs> Kane, Kane 2 would be fucking the freaking deacon wouldn't it the, uh, Doc Gallows years later remember that farce when, when I'd, fake I'd, Kane I'd, ra- I'd rather not this is a positive <laughs> this is a that's positive right. podcast <laughs> that's right that's right steer it back Kane does debut Vincent Mann's classic call rips the door off the hinges which is fantastically impressive party faces Earl Hebner which we can all appreciate I appreciate that greatly <laughs> and then uh, comes in and then you just get the, the, the great stare down and, and again everything about it the, the, look, on, the look on Taker's face because you don't see an expression like that from the Undertaker usually do you, mm, no. you don't get a look of shock yeah the bewilderment the shock yeah it was shock and confusion he must be bigger than the Undertaker we can, we, you know, we can clearly see that but just to have it emphasised and to have Jim Ross's screw out look at the size of this human being or is it a human being and just yeah, these classic Ross calls that like in a vacuum seem kind of preposterous yeah. but like at the moment because of how good everything is yeah take that Dave Bixen spam <laughs> hey come on now I like Bix <laughs> but uh yeah so so we have and, and there you go the, 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 the pyro goes off the tombstone Kane doesn't look seem to know where the hard camera is for a moment there even that works out nicely in a it way it does though. because even though it's sort of yeah this clunky almost maybe I'm being a bit too cerebral but the sense of Jesus Christ look how strong he is yeah. he's pirouetting with him well it is a man you know the, a bit of chaos is a good thing as we've said already so yeah. it's like a bit of an un- uncoordinated wild monster about this you know yeah. he needs to be channeled and that's presumably that's why Bear is there so it was fine. It was yeah. just a bit oh, funny. It was great. We, we couldn't remember which was his left or your left. <laughs> it didn't matter. It was great. It leaves the ring. You've got the camera filming it nicely, looking up at him just to emphasise the size he's and, walking. And out. Vince crying. That's got to be Kane. And almost like, oh, what have we witnessed? That's got to be Kane. And then after everything, <laughs> the crawl, the crawl out of the pool of his own blood, which is one of my most this enduring memories of this match. Shit heel is going to drape an arm. And get the win. Sean gets to Montreal. Sean gets the Duke. (laughs) After everything, he still fucking wins, and he still goes to Montreal to wrestle Bret Hart for the title. (laughs) And if you're a pain fan who's not wound up enough by that notion, here comes Triple H just to piss you off a little bit more. Yeah, but at this point, Triple H was needed because he's got to help. He's got to help the man out. He had to prop up Sean and then raise Sean's arm Mm. for him. Because Sean can do it himself. Sean shouldn't have celebrated here. That's, that's the, the, Sean <laughs> won by being able to muster the strength to just drape an arm. But everything else, he had nothing left. No. That's the whole thing. He had and, to have nothing left. And you need expert bag carrier Triple H to, <laughs> to carry him out of the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's carried unconscious Sean Michaels to the back plenty of times in his career. Out to the car, out to the hotel. If only he'd been there that time he was jumped by the seals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, the... the Many Marines. Yes, and nation, the nation's finest. There were many yes. divisions of Marines, actually, I believe. 82nd Battalion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there you go. One, two, three. Sean, pissing blood, sexy boy still playing, yeah. and the and, and, and take a kind of stirs as the camera fades to black. Oh, I just... Have we talked about it before? And, and particularly something that, that's come to fruition through the timelines. We talk about how... Obviously, Austin's great, Rock's great. This is the but, longest match, by the way, of the five we're going to talk yeah. about today. This is why it's gone longer. But there you go. But there's but there's a lot in '99 like, doesn't hold up well that I think is not is not good TV. It's not enjoyable to really watch. '99, yeah, isn't about the timeline recently. Yeah, but, um, but, but whilst that it appears looked on gen, as generally as a rule, more 
more favourably. I love... I love 97 WWF. Yeah, the year doesn't get off to the greatest of stars. and you know, Everyone can pick the bones out of Mania 13, Austin and Brett aside. But with the inception of the Hart Foundation, I know they're not winning the ratings, and I know the pay-per-view bites haven't, haven't really taken off. They're still losing to WCW. But I love this time period so much. Yeah, I, I can watch it back now and just get engrossed, and it. it's brilliant. It is. It's so it's so good. And uh, and uh, in terms of a five star match, this is as complete. Um, I see. This is the thing. A friend of the show, who I'm not going to name, because <clears throat> I don't want to come think that I'm criticizing his opinion here. Doesn't, that's my job doesn't rate this as a five star match because he thinks that any match that has a finish like this shouldn't get it I think any arbitrary ruling like that when you're grading your matches is fucking foolish because this couldn't have been done better no and this, this was this, this this is the story that's supposed to be told yeah this this doesn't have anywhere near the the impact you want from it if Sean hits switch in music and gets a clean pin what story do you tell then? Because you haven't debuted Kane. You've made Taker look weak, because this is the match that he wants to get the chicken shit heel trapped in. And I wonder know, if, a, if a tombstone finish and pin would have... Uh... Yeah, but then you, don't, then you don't go to Sean and Brett in Survivor Series, or you have to have one hell of a contrived way to get there. Well, in fairness, that probably should have been what they should have done. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, but, but in, in retrospect, but, in retrospect, but, but given given you know, things at the time, you can't have take a go of it because your plan is to go to Brett Shaw. Mm-hmm. So you build the main match, you, and yeah, and you and this gets Taker away from the title chase, which yeah. which is what you want because you don't you know the focus is to be on Brett again, Brett and Sean. So I, just, I don't. I, I just don't. No, no. They tell an excellent story here, and it. it yeah, you know, I, I could understand the argument of an interference finish that's weak. You know, sort of things that they. You see it now with the back. They'll backdoor their way out of it, like a like a DQ win, or they'll say, "I'll oh, call back to to Lex Luger again." The counter win. Such a such a. You know, it's weak. It's a way to to get them out of the out of the. Whole they've sort of booked themselves into in this in a sense. This, this, yeah, but this, this isn't trying to backdoor your way out of something when you, you know, when you've put you've got yourself up against the wall. This is the perfect story. Yeah, Sean fucking won still. That's the yeah. You come out with the absolute desired effect from the crowd. You you, you know, how do you get the old infuriated, raging? angry fan base pissed off at the heel that wins clean yeah. you don't yeah it's, it's, the tease, it's the tease earlier as well because the, the tease of the whole stip and how Kane plays into it because we said the whole premise was that Sean can't escape he's got nowhere to go and he's got no help he can't even go up because there's a roof and then when the door does get opened there is kind of a sense of oh something's going to happen now they're waiting for DX and then when just Sean just gets murdered even more and the door gets locked again it's like They've teased that, and, they and we're not going to get fucking screwed now. There's yeah. no possible way we could get screwed because they've just cl- locked they're it back again. In. No, it's and then you it's you double down. It's just fucking brilliant. So no, yeah, absolute. Uh, this couldn't have been the better. Yeah, one of my favourite matches of all time. Yeah. Moving now to the fourth match of our uh, five star classics reviews here. Uh, it is Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. You know, should we name this five for five? Five for five. Yeah. There you go. That's what we're naming it on the fly. 
Uh, it is Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody against Dory Funk Jr. and our new favourite wrestler, Terry Funk, is back. Terry, Terry, Terry. <laughs> December 8th, 1984 this time. Uh, and I'll be honest, of the five that we've picked here, this was the one that I had the hardest time convincing myself that this was a perfect match. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, to the point where I always questioned if this actually really got the five-star rating. I... Again, by the end of it, it's a really compelling angle, which I assume was used to set up rematches. Yeah. So um, it's it is by the end, it's super heated, super compelling. It's a little sloppy. The nature of the heel side, anyway. They're two shit house rough houses. <laughs> That's the word I wrote down. Really, rough house heels. They are rough house heels. And but then as the match goes. That's what kind of works for me. Again, it's just the magic of Terry. Without Terry, with Terry, anything's possible. Because and this match is the one. Because Dory's like this old man who you kind of fear for getting might get decapitated in the ring or something. But when Terry, young Terry Tentelli's in there, <laughs> it's, it just brings the anarchy, and it's the only way to combat these two monster roughhouses who aren't selling fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Especially they're, not, they're not selling anything, but Terry's fucking crazy. Yeah. And yeah. that's, again, as we go, we'll get there, that's the, the story, the conclusion of the match. But So in that context, I mean, it, Terry's magical, again, is the face this time, overselling with the wild stumbling at the start a little bit. The start's great because it's like, it's just, it's, it's Stan and Dory to start. And it's got great heat when the bell rings. It's like, okay, we're fucking, these are, these are and these, these teams had wrestled before, but this is just a, it's a great, like, okay, so Dory and Stan are kind of circling a little bit. And Terry just kind of leans over and kind of swats at Stan. And Stan goes over to him and lamps him. Terry tries to get like it. And it's, it's chaos immediately. Straight away. It's Straight away, it's fucking madness that the referee has to control. Um, Stan just goes off on him. <laughs> it's, it's so wild. Uh, and then obviously we, we kick it off with, uh, with uh, it's Dory and, uh, and Stan, like I say, crisscrossing the ropes to start with and yes, a, cr- kind of- a crisscross between an old man and a legally blind man <laughs> <laughs> which just, in- just to emphasise the chaos of this at which point Dory just turns and fucking elbows stands straight in the face to end, end the spot which is great Brody comes in shoots Dory into the ropes a couple of leapfrogs from Brody and then just big boots him and twats him yeah. eats it twats eats him. it and then he's slammed on his back and yeah, yeah. oh god it's an old man <laughs> it's Dory Funk Stan Hansen's in throws a drop kick. The heat's on, the, the heat's on Dory almost since the start here. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, we, we go from there. Uh, Brody goes from the leapfrog, gets nothing but air. Dory kind of punches him once, which kind of staggers him into the corner where Terry waits. The tag's made, and Terry is in. The agent of chaos, Kieran, has arrived. So yeah, he's in. Uh, huge pop, and the punches. They're back. Oh, oh they're so wonderful. <laughs> they're so good but then yeah it's like this is the thing with Terry that's hilarious to watch in a match like this because this is of, again of the five this is so clearly the least choreographed and the most called in the ring Terry is just wildly throwing these great punches and at one point a punch gets thrown back and he's like Stan Hansen to try and get out of the ring and Terry ends up like upside down in the ropes right next to Stan Hansen it's just fucking madness and it's like Hansen's just like choking him out and Brody's kicking the fuck out of him it's like Terry you, you had this a minute you had this in the bag you were throwing punches you were looking good now you're upside down in the ropes getting the shit kicked out of you like what how'd this happen in terms of the heels I mean yeah they are not up for selling for long periods of time whatsoever so you're gonna they, make they do of, give a they give little they give bits. a little bit. Then it's not like they're no selling like fucking 
Rick this, Stein this, or something. I was going to say, this isn't Luger Brody in the cage mm. in Florida. It, no. It's just, they're not interested in giving them prolonged shine. Um, but their work as heels, that they are, again, it's that the the separation between the guys is not a lot the whole time. There's mm. always, they're in close proximity to the opponents. Uh, it's a lot of two on one stuff. That, so they, they do work the hard. Double tackles, yeah, the double boots. They work hard as a team, but it's kind of not. They're not flying around as you expect. You know the cliche of working hard. There is a lot of you know it's constant. There's there's no crowd interaction. Pauses really. It's all it's it's a, it's a rough fight, and they're going to stay on top of him. And, and, and so it's um, it feels great and authentic to what yeah, they are. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a different to your normal um, kind of you know, formulaic approach with tag match. This is this wild. It's a tag match, but not as you know it kind of thing. Is it maybe again maybe maybe leading to the. Uh, the perspective of this match absolutely yeah. but there is one point here where Terry's getting first beaten up where you catch this he takes a dropkick from Brody gets up runs and just leaps in the air and takes a huge back bump yeah what, <laughs> what the fuck was that Terry he was like so yeah that the st- well the first bit of the match he's totally overselling when he's on the outside he's only staggering he's yeah like, he's completely on what yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's just the whole part of this of the craziness of, of the uncontrolled nature of it and it's you can't take your eyes off him when he's when he's in there, and it's like anytime Dory's in there, you're begging for him to get back in because just it just kicks off. Yeah, and there's always something to watch. Him. You can't take your eyes off it when he's in there. Which makes him a great contrast as a team because Dory gets his own pops in his own ways. Like there's a, there's a spot yeah. after this where he slams Hanson, which the visual of just looks fucking great because it's a beautiful looking slam. It's the nature he's got. It's this the sort of psychology. So he's Dory's the. He's the kind of the, almost the gentleman. The he's he's the, the former world champion. He's the one of the class in the team. He's the legend. Terry's the crazy younger brother. He's the wild card who, <laughs> who's already retired once. Who's, <laughs> yeah, but, well, he's been world champion too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the story. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not so perceived anyway. Um, and then you got these two. So, but they're and then they're in their red shorts. So they're kind of got that all American proper clean team to them. Mm. That you know the, the respect. And then you got these two fucking dirty fuckers in their black. Just, just kicking and fucking Stan, <laughs> Stan Hansen fucking Stan Hansen's knee drops and elbow drops in this match are so ace I love Stan Hansen's knee drops I'd god lo- damn I'd love to see Stan Hansen you know st- the, what would be perceived as Stan Hansen really laying it into someone you know <laughs> just taking liberties what would that be like because <laughs> safe Stan Hansen is still a scary Stan Hansen <laughs> At one point, him and Terry just like start like tackling each other. Terry runs off for another one, stands like back drops into the floor, and it's like I just wrote down here: great looking knee drops from Stan. This is clearly all being called in the ring. Um, there's three attempts again. We talk about Dory getting his own pops. There's a spot here where they get the heat on Dory again. Uh, Brody comes in, tries to suplex Dory, and Dory suplexes him after like three tries. But it's, like, it's this real struggle to get it. And when he finally does, again, just the aesthetics of it. Like, look at the size of Dory. And how Dory looks, and look at Brody fucking go up in this graceful suplex. It's like he's trying to wrestle them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, this, is, this is really nice. Yeah, whereas Terry knows, fuck that. Yeah, it needs to be a scrap. Oh, fine. Yeah. Where's my branding iron? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it kind of, it kind of, but it totally breaks down at the end. There's no, there's no mincing words no. about it. It, it, it. At this point, it very much becomes just a random back and forth, and very much feels like a run-of-the-mill type of match where they're just doing their thing they're doing it well they know their characters it's all great they're getting the heat on Dory for a while and it just kind of ends abruptly they do a false tag spot with Terry uh, they all go in the ring and Terry kind of gets sent out for a while while Hanson sorry Hanson throws Dory into the ropes which get opened up by Brody so he falls to the floor uh, Hanson then knocks Terry 
and the referee out the ring. Um, at this point, if it wasn't a fight already, it is now because Brody and Hanson just go grab like a table, <laughs> carry it as over, you do, <laughs> like, like the Chuckle Brothers, <laughs> like and just wait, one, two, three. Bang! And just like three times, just absolutely belt Dory with his put with his fucking table. Poor fucking Dory. <laughs> Terry, I don't know where he is. He's like he's like slowly kind of saunters over to get into a fight with Brody. Uh, the ref gets pulled back in, uh, but Terry just like picks up and decks him. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like no. Well, it's like I, I again. So Japanese commentary. The story I've got in my head. So Dory is the legend. He's the proper wrestler, and he's going to try and wrestle these monsters, and it's not really working. And they've loaded it down there. They've taken it to another level with the table. And Terry, who's been up for a fight all this time, thinks, "Fuck this, bro. Your way's not working. My time." Yeah, and, and he punches the ref in the face. We don't need a ref for this. Yeah, fuck it. This he, is just a fight. He grabs the chain and he just runs wild. He runs wild on Brody. He runs wild on Hanson. The bell rings. It's over. Terry's just whipping them both with the chain. However, the post-match is quite splendid because Hanson and Brody, they just take off. Terry decides it ain't over and he, like, fucking gets out the ring. He legs it. Is it Hanson? It is Hanson. He legs it at Hanson who, like, ducks down and bang drops him on the floor and you just see Terry's legs go flying. Like, he's so pissed off and he just gets fucking shelved by Hanson. It's fucking hilarious. He goes and then, like, yeah, they leave again and Terry is just a man possessed on the outside where, like, all the young boys and all the officials are trying to, like, Help him, he's like fucking swinging at anybody that comes near him, and he's pointing to the back. Like, That's where Suzuki got the idea from for yeah. treatment of the young boys. <laughs> he's pointing to the back, like, get him back out here, we're not fucking finished. He goes in the ring where Dory's just kind of politely waiting. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 nuts and a great setup. It's fun watching because it's like you're seeing these guys in their element and being themselves. And <laughs> yeah, but like, even then, he that works too. But there's a, ma- there's, a, there's a couple of matches with these four that are better than I've seen. One from April of 83, which has a great finishing stretch that I think is a better match than this. Uh, I wouldn't say... I, I, if I did subscribe to a five-star system, I wouldn't consider this one. No, so I thought this was... By the end, it feels like an, it's more of an angle to set up the money matches rather than yes. something to be yeah, get your teeth into kind of thing as the main course. Um Terry's probably five stars on his own, but that, as a match. That's yeah. what I was saying. Like as a performance, a one-man performance, with the exception of the time when he got up and just took that random back bump, where he just flew through the air, like he just slipped on a yeah. banana peel. With the exception of that, it's, it's it feels like a five-star performance for Funk. I mean, I can imagine. Um, like I say, it's, it's always a bit. I find it a bit difficult to give a star rating to matches just as a as a personal point of preference. And I could see how some people would probably watch this. And not give it five stars on the basis of it's not crisp, it's not clean. The aesthetics aren't sort of the clean cut stuff they're used to seeing now. But I just love the chaos. <laughs> I love the chaos and all that it ensues. It's just, it's just such a such a nice contrast, a welcome contrast to, to what we see today. That's yeah. Is it? Is it? Is everything as you know, crisp and as on point as it could be, as clean as it could be. No, but it's Terry Funk, and I don't want it that way. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. It's like he brings this, the energy and this madness and chaos he brings. It makes, and you're on the roller coaster for the ride. Yeah, it makes the the, the other kind of less crisp things legitimate or 
kind of means something a bit more because it's this isn't a normal wrestling match. If you've never watched wrestling before and you've watched one show and then you've probably seen lots of guys wrestling and then Terry Funk comes on, you're going to remember Terry Funk as this guy you probably you're going to think's real and actually probably there's some kind of uh, is a lane I'm talking about here because he's so different he's so convincing and so authentic in his delivery he's just oh, he's wonderful 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 yeah and if, if you've only seen Terry Funk sort of the middle aged and crazy Chainsaw theory. Charlie and, and beyond yeah do yourself a favour and go back and watch some prime Terry Funk <laughs> it is worth it and uh, we're going to go from a match that was not as uh, crisp and clean, as you say, to a match that very much will be considered very, very crisp, clean, smooth. It is Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat from Chi Town Rumble 1989 is our fifth match to round out our show today. A match pitting one of your favourites, Carl. Ricky Steamboat, all-time great babyface, yes? Oh, Ricky Morton wishes he could sound like Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> yeah. I'd like that. There's a hot take for you. <laughs> Have at me, folks. <laughs> Steamboat, the ba- the ultimate babyface in peril. Your your dander is up. Oh, it is. I oh, I love Ricky Steamboat so much. And this match was the first in the three match series. Steamboat had not long been back in the promotion. No, no. After uh, being kind of unceremoniously dumped, I suppose. Well, dumped, but they left the WWF in 1988. He was pinned by Greg Valentine. We can call that a dumping. Yeah, I guess so. Dumped by Valentine. Um The the first of five. Excellent matches from uh, from Ric Flair in a very short uh, span of time. Despite all the uh, the issues going on surrounding WCW and uh, Mr. Jim Hurd at the time. In fact, I think bringing Steamboat back was one of the only good things he ever did <laughs> in his life. <laughs> but of course, we're talking. This was a match we wanted to put on the first uh, five for five, as uh, we've now coined it, um, because of its kind of iconic place in history as this legendary one of the as I was growing up as a fan one of the first matches that was kind of talked about as a legendary match and the series the The Flair Steamboat series it was this it was Savage and Steamboat from Mania 3 these are the matches that WWF and WCW kind of lauded lauded that's the word I was looking for there thank you Uh, as these all time classics you have to go and see Steamboat of course being on both sides of this fence (laughs) Um, as you mentioned there uh, so I don't know if there's anything you want to talk about pre-match in terms of interesting kind of balance the of the audience here in Chicago dynamics were a little bit at first askew. they're interesting yeah um, because and by the way the other reason Big Dave in the front row oh that's hilarious <laughs> watching, yeah I was watching him mark out for the for particular little things and yeah that's interesting to watch. mullet Dave no, no, no. Is it not Mullet Dave? He's got like Lou Ferrigno fucking perm on the Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm conflating it with uh, Donahue Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the the positioning of the two is a, a bit off-kilter with how the audience reacts because the fans get behind... Well, I don't want to say get behind, but they clearly gravitate a bit more towards the... They love Nate. The, the man that is Ric Flair... <laughs> With a with a woman on both arms, looking like a million dollars, contrasting with the wholesome family man mm. bringing they, his kid to the ring. They they ran at home as well. He's come from his family business. I thought it was in, in the E, but in the F E. <laughs> yeah, the wrestling business, yeah. I guess. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the, the dynamics aren't. They don't necessarily get the desired effect that the uh, the company are hoping for. And, no, there's, and, in fact, there's a chat of Steamboat sucks. Yeah. Early on. <laughs> let's, let's not dance around it. Carl. I want to dance around it. It's Ricky Steamboat, and I love him. So I don't <laughs> want to refer to such things. 
it's not but yeah, it's, but yeah, but yeah, it. it's the traditionalists of the Chicago crowd. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. Much like we would see only a scant what, fifteen, sixteen years later, like no, way more than that. Russell, remember Russell, the Chicago fans, the traditionalists of Russell, 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 such a time gap in between jeez um, but, but anyway yeah even so it's it's the joys of a hot Chicago crowd because the, the crowd are always great in Chicago in my completely unbiased opinion <laughs> <laughs> wonderful city Flair comes in as the champ Steamboat Challenger and uh I yeah I don't think there's any kind of things you want to pick up in terms of the pacing of or, or, or the, the delivery execution of the first few flurries of the match. Well, the first thing to note is I think is the body language of probably particularly Steamboat, but it's both them, both them together. He's there on business, mm-hmm. and every starting sequence um, during the shine, which is the shine consists of a bunch of probably maybe three or four of these sequences over the course of ten minutes where Ricky is on top Rick will get frustrated and each time each during each sequence Rick will try and rack it up the, the heelishness the dirtiness to get on top a little bit more and it's only subtle stuff mm-hmm. it's a shot to the ribs the little elbows a little, the little, yeah, yeah to the ribs and or not breaking not, not a clean break and then but then Ricky will get back on top sooner or later usually with a chop when yep, the chop stop in, it's like fuck you I'm not ready for this and he'll, and he'll fire right back and every little sequence ends with Ricky on top and every little one of these little sequences builds with intensity and so Rick's Rick's healness goes up each single each sequence it goes up a little uh, goes up a level yep. and Ricky's fire comes back hotter on each sequence yep. and the crowd after each sequence Gradually gravitates towards Ricky more and more after every one of these sequences that grows in throughout the shine. It's to get yeah. supposition. It's, it's, it's a nice first five, six, seven minutes where they're doing the thing where they, they, they do the chop exchanges, but then it settles down to either a headlock takeover or whatever it is. Um, and then you get, what I love is the, the big one where again it's the chop exchange, chop exchange, flare into the into the corner, comes back, Steamboat turns around into the double chop, chop. which just that's the one where it's like, oh yeah, and flare bails. Yeah. Flare bails to the floor. In terms of the, the body language, the start that's, that's the reason I was saying to talk about uh, it's, it's Ricky's there for business, is the start of all these sequences, he's just standing, broad shoulders, yep. square in the middle of the ring. Not looking anywhere else. Not where else. Not no body movement. He's waiting for Rick to come to him and Rick's obviously taking his time. Rick he's more and more he's gotta try and figure out to get at this guy because he's not giving anything away and god damn he just looks too sharp today yeah he's, he's, he's taking the challenger a little bit lightly a bit too like stage called early doors and the frustrations building the pace quickens the second time quickens. they're running the ropes another double chop flare bails to the floor again a second time uh, they do like a, again a lot of little flurries uh, a bring, great bringing bring the crowd up yeah, bringing it back bring down the crowd up. back up Heads is his takeover from Steamboat. Headlock takeover, one, two. Oh my god, he almost pinned him. And that's Meltzer fucking marks out for that one. <laughs> Meltzer nearly has a heart attack because he thinks that. Oh shit, that was nearly it. I nearly missed that. <laughs> headlock takeover. Yeah, so, and that's pretty early. So they're, they're, It's very early. Although they're not pr- completely pro Ricky straight away, they're there. They're, they're into it. They're receptive to something. Yes. And then the work gets the, gets them exactly where they want to be. It does, it does. And again, it's, 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 I like the, the timing, the pacing where. You have the, you know, the hip toss out of the corner. The head scissors, the headlock take a one, two, kick out. But then you sit in the headlock. And you let them come back down. And you let them come back around. And you, you, you move into the next thing. And again, at this point, we, uh, we, we, we get the test of strength, which I quite like. Where 
Steamboat again, like you say, giving nothing away, letting Flair try and get it. And Steamboat's just kind of moving his fingers and moving his hand a little bit out of the way, kind of moves backwards, giving absolutely nothing, making no mistakes whatsoever. He's on his game. And Flair, just that just the, the subtleties of trying to get this test of strength to happen, which Steamboat isn't going for, Flair takes a step back and goes, Come here! Well, you got no guts? Get in the ring! You yeah, get in the middle of the ring! And it's just like, after Flair's bailed twice, it's like, that, that's fucking great. That, is, that takes some nerve. But again, like, similarly to the talk about Sean before, this is not hokey Flair at all. He's no, serious. No, This is a world title match. W- wound up Flair. Yeah, and he is a, he's, he's like a surgeon, and he's just trying to find the way ahead. He's trying to find the chink in, in the armour, trying to find the shortcut that does get him on top, and that is... It's, it's fascinating, fascinating viewing stuff. It's fascinating to watch, and it's like it's all just one big, with different paces, one big long shine for Steamboat. There's the there's the spot where Flair finally catches him with the back elbow as they're hitting the ropes, and Steamboat tries to get up, and he kind of sinks a little bit. His legs are a little wobbly, holds onto the ropes, and it looks like Flair. Okay, this is the the part where Flair's gonna get control, and then Steamboat just fucking blasts him with a chop. It's like, oh no, yeah, not today, not yet, not yet. Um, yeah, it's great. And another big chop flare goes to the floor. Teases a dive twice, but doesn't do it either time. Doesn't want to make a mistake. Going to scale this Precision. back. Even if he gets a little bit excited, nope. Not, not going to do it. Not going to take any chances. He wouldn't have come back if he didn't think he had a shot of winning the world's title. Jim Ross again. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, he's great here. Yeah, for so many seminal moments. And finally... After trying to figure out the way to crack the nut, he finds his way. He finds his way. He's just kind of hanging out on the apron with one leg, about to get in, refusing to get in. Steamboat's kind of getting a little bit impatient and kind of like trying to move. And Flair just grabs the leg, pulls him out, eye rake, rail, chop. Yeah. And when he chops him, Melter and Brad Muster in the front row, they're freaking out. And again, Flair's just moving by language. Very erratic. Eyes, chop, looking around for a chair to use. Nothing there, come back. Get on him again. Frantic. Frantic. Flair takes over. And again, very short-lived. <laughs> Except for some more chops, we get a, a beautiful, a, one of my favourite parts in this whole match, where it's like the pace, like, fuck me, this pace is absolutely awesome. Because they, they do more chops back and forth. Flair kind of takes over the knee drop, and he's doing some kind of lower stuff. We get some chop exchanges again. Steamboat shoots Flair, and it's the Flair flip in the corner. Flair runs down the, down the, the apron. Hops up, top rope crossbody, but Steamboat rolls through. One, two, big near fall. Yes. Big near fall. And again, we're only we're not that far into the match. That that heat was very, very slim and non-existent, really. Stick Flair immediately backs up, backs up, Steamboat's on him. Again, just straight on him. He's he's here to work, he's here to win. Gets back up on the on the second rope, rains down the punches, Flair catches him, atomic drop, straight to the figure four. And the heat is unbelievable at this point. I and I think it's one of the things that, in a similar way that, to Savage and Steamboat, something that sticks out in such a contrast to wrestling of that time period is the pace. Like you say, you mentioned the pace. It's a very quick pace. And it's a, and it's sort of more of the, the give-and-take nature of the match. You know, no one's on top for, for, for too long a period of time. There's, you know, there's moments of shine, there are moments of heat. But it's fairly, it's fairly condensed. You know, there's there's a there's a real seesaw, genuine back and forth element to this match. That in the late eighties, more so in WWF, it's fair to say, you didn't get because you had the more formulaic approach of babyface starts off, 
A lot more slower guys. Too. Heat, slower body guys. <laughs> um, heat, sometimes seeming like it's interminable, never going, you know, never going to end. Looking at you, Dino Bravo. <laughs> yeah, but uh, babyface come back and then something that resolves the match and finishes it. Whereas this is much more of that sense of the pendulum back and forth, which is such a contrast and so nice to see. It's, I think it's too bad. That, 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 I still think it is standard structure, but it's it's more that the psychological the psychological heat and shine. Yeah, the shine is because Steamboat's in control and he's on point, and Rick hasn't figured him out yet. So he has the psychological advantage, even though when it, it goes backwards and forth, every sequence ends with Steamboat on top and with, with Rick trying to find another trying answer. Trying to figure out another way. Um, and then, yeah, when it breaks down and it goes a little crazier, Rick has taken that shortcut and he's, now he's hurt Ricky. Ricky made the mistake, which he didn't. He was trying to avoid all that time by being very precise. He got, a little, he got a little frustrated at Rick when Rick was on the outside and that's when Rick took advantage of him. He got to him. So... And that for me, that's it's it, even though they still go back and forth, that's a definite that's the end of the shine at that point. And, and that's the thing that I like though, because it goes from that point where he, Flair's finally found a way to get to Ricky and he's hurt Ricky a little bit. That reverse of the cross body and the one, two, and, and coming so close again to beating Flair, Flair backing off, immediately going to the figure four, and the crowd is just pissing their pants, like, oh my god, now it's the figure four. I was thinking, you know, the, the finishing move, the, the figure four, and this is the point where. The match it's, it slows, but the crowd's rocking, and now they're chanting "Steamboat." Not "Steamboat sucks." They're chanting for "Steamboat" because this is just such a. I think it starts. It starts off right at the start of the figure four. Um, he's got his, his, his shoulders are on the mat. The rest starts counting mm-hmm. too. He gets it up late because he doesn't realise. And Meltzer buys this one as well. Meltzer's all over that first one. Um, <laughs> most of the crowd are, but um, yeah. So they settle in. in the figure four's on. Steamboat's moving. His fucking arms outreaching all over the place. Like he's working his ass off, lying there in a figure four. It's just it's it's such good work. Flair's trying to use the ropes to his advantage, and people are getting hot at it. Yeah. It's just like they're they're really getting into this. They're really getting into this. The fans are screaming at it. Finally, Tommy Young breaks the move, uh, and and I like it because now when Flair gets up, now he's feeling it a little bit. Now you start to see a little yeah, more a of a stride. Strut and yeah, yeah, you, 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 that's all you get. It's a little bit of a of a yeah. little bit of a peacock stride. Not m- nothing more. He's not getting ahead of himself. No, but he's no, thinking, no. no, well, he is because now he's like, we got this now. Yeah, now it's now it's my game yeah, again. Yeah. Back to normal. Back to normal. Uh, we get the back and forth strikes. It's still fifty fifty when they're going toe to toe, and the pace picks up again uh, with Flair this time crossbody. It's fifty fifty. It's fifty fifty with Steamboat. It's fighting from underneath now. Yes, yes. yes. Fighting from underneath, and, and Flair hits the crossbody that sends them both to the outside. Uh, but Flair's still very much in control. So a lovely suplex back in from Rick, by the way. I mean, like from the apron, he just fucking holds him. Yeah. Flair's got a very nice suplex yeah. back in. Yeah, underappreciated. Yeah, you get the uh, the repeated covers here. You get that kind of one, two, one, two, trying trying to get him uh, both back suplex. It's two count. This time frustration is on Tommy Young. Gets up, shoves him. Tommy shoves him back. Tommy Young. Awesome referee, yes. by the way. Oh, tremendous. Awesome referee. Earl Hebner wishes he was Tommy <laughs> A backbreaker, a cover. The feet are on the ropes this time. He's trying to use the, he's trying to use the ropes to win. The ref doesn't see it, and the fans still screaming. And again, this isn't. it doesn't feel like this is cliche stuff. This feels like it's it's progressing. Cause like Flair's got a bit of cockiness, but now with that little exchange, the things are picking up. He's he's You know he's got to beat him. Well, you, 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 had, the, you had his frustration early on when he's getting... You know, He's always just a step slower than Steamboat. Even now he's on top, he's still frustrated because that fr- he knows he can't take him light now. So he's, he's got to 
pull out all the dirty tricks to try and to st- you know if he's not going to win just to stay on top yeah because he knows that steamboat means business yeah. <laughs> uh, breathing yeah. this dragon's breathing fire man I'm telling you can't call him the dragon it's a lawsuit I'm sorry yeah, they, 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 the crowd is screaming. Flair gets up and goes, "Shut up!" You know, it's like again, this is like stuff that becomes like cliche flair in the nineties. But here, it's perfect. Mm. It fits perfectly for. And, for and I just want to ask you two about this. Maybe I'm I'm looking a bit too much into it, trying to be a bit a bit too analytical, perhaps. But also that maybe that notion of the fact that even if it's just sort of in the back of our minds, Arn and Tully aren't around anymore. Arn and Tully aren't coming to save him if the, if, if, if the heat gets too much here. Am oh. I might trying to be a bit too cute there, perhaps? I just, I just wouldn't. I don't know. Hiro Matsuda is in town. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. And he'd broken Hulk Hogan's ankle years uh, before. So. That, that Nagasaki Corporation. <laughs> Not to be trifled with. No. Don't, I think they own Noah now, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, a bit of a comeback kind of starts out of nowhere from Steamer with like a, a, the backslide, like the, the headlock takeover, the, the head scissors. Flair rolls over, Steamer bridges up, it gets the backslide, gets a two count, there's some there's some tackles and chops uh, from, from Steamboat, he kind of makes a little bit of a mini rally, hits the top rope chop, uh, here's the, 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 the pace is slowed here, like Steamboat's like, it's, it's slow as Steamboat's going up and hitting the chop, but the crowd's still really hot and really with it. Um, finally, uh, as, as Steamboat's kind of mounting his rally, goes to the top rope, goes for the crossbody, and the ref gets dragged in, Tommy Young takes a bump. And it's uh, it, it's Steamboat and Flair still kind of, uh, I'll say fifty fifty at this point. Flair's kind of on the on the back foot and rolls up Steamboat. No ref, mm. handful of tights. Yeah, I thought I was interested. The, obviously, it makes sense by the end of the match. But the uh, yeah, the, the heel visionary with, with without a ref was uh, well actually by the end of it. I'm assuming for the rematch. Yeah, it was mm. it was beautiful. But um, yeah, it was weird having the, having given the heel the visionary on the face you want to keep particularly strong, but. Gets to the end because yeah. it was funny because it, it wasn't really a conventional comeback from Steamboat in the sense of like you know, the, the big hot 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 move, but it was just like he's coming. Even though Flair's the one that's in control now, he's pulling out these close near falls still with the backslide, and the, I thought it was a pretty interesting way to it, do it. It's always that element of this uh, the 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 last sort of the last efforts of a man in desperation. You know, he's got to try and get it somehow now because he's because yeah, he's I flagging thought, and yeah, it was the definite feeling like. This match is close to being over. Someone's yeah. going to win this soon. So it's, it's like again, it's that racking up of the, the intensity of the of the, um, of the position you are in, in the match kind of thing. Yeah. Actually. So Flair float, uh, throws Steamer over the top rope, but he holds on, and it's like I love this because this is one of those like double plays that I love, where it's like he throws Steamer over the ropes, turns his back, but he holds on, climbs the top rope for the majestic crossbody. But he misses. <laughs> he misses the crossbody, and I loved it because ah, we got you because of those times earlier in the match when Steamboat goes to dive but holds back, doesn't do it. This time he, he goes for the whole thing, fucking misses, and this is the one time in the match where a flare goes, because <laughs> now he knows he's fucked it up. Checkmate, got you now, you bastard. Goes for the figure four inside cradle. One, two, three. It's over. The crowd goes ballistic. The crowd go ballistic. What I love afterwards, yes, as well. because it's almost—I don't know—they're sort of trying to rib themselves here a bit. But it's almost like Dusty was out like, by now. By Dusty the way. was gone. It's, it's that little tip of the hat, that little wink to the old Dusty finish. Because it's not Tommy Young who's counted the four. Yeah, you say that because Tommy Young's still down. It's Teddy Long. <laughs> yeah, and Teddy Long's the one who's raised his arm. Tommy Young's come too. He's looking around. What's going on? Oh well. Oh, no. 
Flair's that way. Flair's words. Matsuda goes to the ref first and then Flair does. The ref. The assigned referee did not count the fall here. Oh, God, we've seen this. Are we going to get a cameo from even Stanley Blackburn, perhaps? <laughs> Who knows? No, he's raising Steamboat's arm! Yeah. Yes! Have that, you bastards! <laughs> Steamboat's the champ! And there you go. There you go. The crowd is, is unanimous at this Dave point. Dave has pissed his pants. He has pissed his pants. <laughs> His little hands are red raw from clapping this one. (laughs) But again, Jim Ross on commentary with Magnum, TA, both I thought did a very good job. Ross is obviously awesome in a match like this. He's made to call matches like this. Yeah, but I didn't prefer place Magnum. I I wasn't aware, I didn't cognitively know who the other commentator was during when the match was going on. And afterwards, when it sees, you know, his glassy eyes and his beautiful curly perm oh. it's like well done Magnum son I, fair play I can see why you're over now you can, you can talk for yourself <laughs> you yeah. represent yourself well yeah. Yeah. yeah thankfully this is not David Crockett <laughs> no no <laughs> but uh, there you go so yeah as, as matches go this was this was really fucking fun to watch back I mean I've watched this match probably about a hundred times it feels like oh, yeah. but to watch it back for this to look for the little intricacies that you don't just sit there and just kind of absorb and just kind of you're, you're watching your father you're, you're looking for the little things that make it unique and special you're specifically looking for every little thing and when you see how like much of like, the match beat by beat ebb and flow like really just ties together so perfectly yeah. it's like this and again the, the crowd heat's great from the start but that I, I, I love the first 10 minutes of this match because just that, that, that the feeling like fuck me first of all the, the physicality with the chops and the, and the you know, flares forearms and stuff like that. That just speaks for itself. But just the the way that like it always comes back to Steamboat with the upper hand, and it flares trying to crack the nut. When he finally does, the way the match changes and the way it feels different. And then as as we get into the finish again, I just love the thing of the the, the, the false. He throws him over the top rope. He goes for the crossbody. That's going to be the big surprise, and he fucking misses. And flares now on top of the world right before he fucking fucks it up for himself. <laughs> it's, oh, I love that. What a great, just a great way to play it. So yeah, of a, a, a huge thumbs up from me. Apart from the post-match interview with Ricky. Oh yes, please. When I yeah, I mean, Bob Coddle trying. I had to turn it off because I felt so sorry for Ricky in his triumphant moment. He has a five-star match. And he gets fucking blinded by champagne. And he's, he's in agony, this poor fucker. He's in absolute agony. He, he's, goddamn, he's in so much pain. He's been maced. He's gonorrhea of the eyes. He's in so much pain. And he's have to cut this promo and he just can't do it. He can't talk. He can't. He can't fix anything but the blinding pain in his eyes. Yeah, close up. And he's just there squinting away. He can't even open them. He can't get his words out. He's when he does s- open them, they're red. <laughs> He's in so, so much pain trying to talk. He just wants the camera to turn off. <laughs> just when, just when he gets it out of his eyes a little bit and gets to open his eyes, here comes fucking Luger. Fucking Luger. To spray another bottle. <laughs> it was Rick Steiner. I, can't I, I don't think it was Luger spraying because Luger gave him the towel. That's thing, right, so. that's right. I just remember Lex showing his face. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so tremendous work here. Uh, <laughs> if, if you were to dish out a star rating, I, I believe this would get the full five from you, Carl. Yeah, this, this absolutely would. This was... Um, Growing up, my, my two favourite matches were Hart and Austin at Mania 13, which we, we haven't covered for obvious reasons because it's ad nauseum at this stage, and then this match. Yeah. I don't think I've watched two matches back more than those two. This is my favourite of the three Flair Steamboat matches. I'd, I'd agree. Yeah? I'd agree, yeah. Okay. That's, that's, not, to, that's not to knock the, other, the two. other two by any means, but definitely my favourite of the three. Probably weighted because I love 
Steamboat, steamboat so much. <laughs> well, the other two also got the, the the big five, so we will be reviewing them at some point during this match, and it'll be interesting to do it. Hopefully, we'll be doing them in order. Mm. Yeah, a star, be my desire. A star for every person who is actually in the Superdome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, George Scott. But uh, yeah, so that pretty much sums up our match number five of five. So I guess the only question left to ask is of the five. Your personal favourite. Oh, I mean, you can't say that. Of course, again, it's personal no. favourite. It's not fair. Um, personal well, favorite. Helen Self, because I think it was as fucking captivating as wonderful, crazy Terry Funk is. This age, this, this agent of chaos of anarchy, agent of anarchy and captain of chaos. Um, Shawn Michaels' performance is just one of the singular greatest performances of all time. I think. I think it's just absolutely tremendous. So. Really annoyed that he sprung this on us, aren't you? Yeah. Lazy yeah. <laughs> stinking baby face. Um, I'm going to throw a slight caveat in here. Go on. In the sense of for the for the story that's told and sort of from it from it for me personally from an analytical standpoint, it's very hard. And this didn't say yeah, I enjoyed it all the same, but I'm trying to sort of analyse and, and look at the story they're telling. It's very hard for me to go against Helen Cell, but as I say, I've watched it back that many times, and probably because of the feel-good moment in the way it ends, I'll go with Steamboat Flair. See, but this, but this <coughs> is incredibly bloody difficult. Helen Cell is a feel-good moment for me because Sean won. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough. It's a very unfair question because one of them we lived through and the others we didn't. We had to watch them retrospectively. So it's it, you don't have emotional attachment to. Them. Yeah, you can't. So the, the, you know, it is a, a biased question, I suppose. And in that sense, Helen herself is obviously going to take for me too. And and that was the one. I haven't said that. I think the one. Hmm, what shall I decide here? Helen herself is my favourite match of the five, and the one that I've watched the most. I think probably. Watching them back for the sake of enjoyment, I loved Masaura and Saruta. I really loved it because of the whole of, of what it becomes ultimately in the end. It's just like, my God, you can see like the heat of the moment. Like, look at this guy becoming a star before your very eyes. It's, it's just a really cool thing. To, again, not being part of the culture, not being part of, of, of not being a fan at the time, and just and I've seen again, I've seen the match before, but it was just really cool just to see sitting back, looking for the little things. I've just again. The things that you know, you just kind of observe as a fan when you're watching the match, but when you're looking for him, especially on Jumbo, Jumbo was awesome. He I was. He was the biggest. He was the biggest surprise for me because I always knew Funk was great. I didn't realise, like in the tag match with Hanson and Brody, how much the match was his match. Yeah. Um, and he's just he's just a complete magician heel face with his character and the way he portrays himself. What did you just say? I was talking about Jumbo. How great yeah, but Jumbo was. was the surprise for me because. Again, you think I'm thinking. Okay, he's his time is passing here. Um, maybe this isn't going to translate to me as well as you know at the time. Um, <laughs> but then he starts. He's like, this guy's fucking ace. He's the absolute. Just he's he standing there at the start. You know, he's the don. You know, he's the man. He's the king. He's the champ. It's going to take something to, to to beat this guy. It's you know the world as they know it revolves around this guy. You can yeah. see it. He's the quintessential man. Um, so yeah, that dynamic was was fantastic. And then he backs it up fantastically. So yeah. Again, and again, having said that though, Flair and Steamboat is just a blast to watch every single time. It, just for the heat. Structurally, that's, that is brilliant to watch because of how they turn so quickly. Yeah, that's, I think that's why I love that match. Because the thing is, like you say, it was it, it, okay, the tag match is just anarchy. It's just chaos, it's just fucking insanity. And you can tell people love Terry. 
Uh, Misawa Saruta felt like it started off a little like it, like it, like I said before. I thought it felt like they're super into Misawa, but when the bell rings, there's people chatting for both. Flair and Steamboat, uh, Sean Taker is beautiful again, similar to, to Lawler and Funk in there. It's one sided from the audience. They want something and they get it, and then and it's the how they get there which is beautiful. And it's like a more advanced, longer, bigger Broadway production version of Lawler and Funk, I suppose you could say. But the one that's like, like Flair and Steamboat is like, they started over here and this match within 10 minutes flips everything. Mm. By the time they're in the figure four, they're all chatting Steamboat. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. But yeah. It's like, oh, it, it's, after all in recent years, the shit with the Cena not, you know, and not being able to get the crowd to do what he wanted to do. This was no different. This is exactly the same. They were Steamboat at the start of that match was fucking Roman Reigns, yeah. not, not fucking Roman Reigns. <laughs> that would have got him booed. But um, he was in the Reigns position, and Flair was, uh, I think, someone who's a heel and who was over. Um, but within ten minutes, they get them completely where they want them, and then they take them forward and they deliver in with how they wanted to, the story they wanted to deliver, and it just. It's embarrassing for these guys today because they just give up. They can't work them and they give up working them. So there yeah. you go. There you go. So with that said, that wraps up the first edition of SCG's 5 for 5. We hope you enjoyed it very much. Uh, we will be returning to this format again because contrary to popular belief, we do love good wrestling. We want to talk <laughs> about it a hell of a lot more. So we will be doing this again in the future. If there are five-star matches that Meltzer rated that you want us to talk about, first and foremost and by all means say, yeah, make be, your suggestions yeah it'd be a nice change we obviously we've we've decided amongst ourselves which five are going to be the opening style we went for a mix uh, of promotions styles yeah. and, and territories so, so. Yeah, by, by all means if, if people have got ones particularly if they feel they're sort of unloved or underappreciated five star matches perhaps <laughs> if such a thing exists if such a thing exists yeah then throw them out there. Absolutely. We will not be taking your own personal five stars. No. <laughs> they, they, do, they do have to have the criteria of having been rated five initially by Big Dave. Yes. So that wraps us up for the first ever SEG 5 for 5. We thank you very much for listening. Uh, as we said, if you have your suggestions, please let us know which matches you'd like us to get to on the next uh, SEG 5 for 5. Now, before we go, please stay tuned for the finish to hear Kieran O'Rourke's version of Mitsuhara Misawa's theme song, Spartan X. For Carl Jones. Good night, everybody. And for Kieran O'Rourke. You're welcome. I am Liam O'Rourke, and we are out of here. Talk to you again soon. You said I was just too ugly. Your friends, they think I'm a piece of shit. It's not like you have options. Can we please do it? Can we just please do it? Baby, can we go? Why do you keep saying no? Baby, can we go? Please stop saying no. Baby, can we go? To yours or mine tonight. I wanna make love to ya I wanna make love to ya I wanna make love to ya all through the night I wanna make love to ya I wanna make love to ya I wanna make love to you all through the night Through the night Through 
the night. 